Hey everyone, uh, welcome to 185 Miles South. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, please like, rate, and review on uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to go the extra mile to support the show, uh, you can become a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash 185 miles south. Um, and you can donate a dollar a month, $3 a month, $5 a month or whatever. And uh, that really helps out the show with like the monthly cost of everything, as well as me uh, traveling around. You can also donate uh, through PayPal. It's uh, paypal.me slash 185 miles south. Check that webpage. Um, this week is Daniel and Greg and I going over the best uh, LPs of the 1980s. And uh, that's a fun listen. So I hope you enjoy. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. Yeah, so you guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Um, did you want to touch on anything from the seven-inch podcast? Don't we want? Are we recording right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Don't we want to elect? negative approach to the Hall of Fame because... Oh, yes. We'll, we'll do that right when we talk about this current Hall of Fame. Anything you guys wanted to... What's your DRI story from yesterday? Okay, so right now it is Comic-Con in San Diego once again. And I went, and when I was leaving, I decided to park you know, pretty far away from the convention center because it's such a shit show with the parking down there. So I'm walking home. No, I'm walking to my car around the East Village. And East Village has a good amount of like halfway homes and good amount of like homeless population there. I think, I think they do that because they were allowed to build all these condos if they gave like two or three things. It was like section eight housing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm walking there and I see these two dudes and it's one of those like, uh, they might be homeless. They might be like living in a halfway house. It's just, they're just posted up drinking. So I'm walking by and one of them's just like, Hey, and I turn around, I look at them. He goes like, who am I? And we both just look at each other and I go like, D-R-I. So you really need to stop denying the people's band. Well, but like I said, when you see someone in a DRI shirt coming towards you, it means you're trouble about, is coming your way. No, it's, you're about to have a really good time. I know. Well, I think that both. If, we, if we did like metal, I think Thrash knows the best, right? You know what? A lot of I've talked to people that can when that record came out, they considered it a joke. Like they thought it was like too goofy and too silly. Mm-hmm. And it, maybe it was almost like them jumping the shark because it was just like that ridiculous. Like, yeah, with just the record just called Thrash Zone and yeah. just like just the subject matter of that record, just the way it looks, like the bright yellow, like just, uh-huh. it's so gnarly and wild. But I mean, to me, it's it's. It's that's that's the record for them. But I don't get how you cannot like jam that and like it. It's so fucking good. Which one has the kids backups? That's rational. Okay. Like the abduction. It's then, got everything. Then that's the guy. It's got it all. But 
I don't know. It is cool because there's like a crazy amount of like subject matter on it. Like, I mean, there's the song Gun Control. Yeah. Which I feel like most people that don't know anything about gun control, I mean, DRI would be like, oh, they're probably just like dummies that are like pro guns. But like when they put out that record, they're like talking about gun control. I mean, the chorus is like gun control. We need gun control, which is kind of like a band in the crossover thrash genre for them to thrown out maybe a woke concept about like yo guns are aren't that sick <laughs> like, but they're punk rock roots right yeah, exactly so, so you know fuck it. Re- yeah if you're not if you haven't listened to thrash and you're fucking up okay um any issues with the seven inch podcast you said that you forgot daniel you said that you forgot the shark attack i think greg and i both discussed that we forgot it yeah um the shark attack seven inch originally on my war then uh re-put out almost instantly on Bridge Nine. It's, it's a fucking banger. Okay. I forgot the Life's Hall 7-inch. And that I I meant to say that because that was one of the ones that I thought was 2000s, but it was actually like 98. And so Crazy. the 90s were very hard. So Bulldoze and Life's Hall and the E-Town Fuck the World 7-inch didn't make it. But those are my faves. <laughs> my, uh, my mention, too, for this is... Uh, Early two thousands, that would be the knife fight self titled. Oh yeah, oh, so good. That yes. one, I still think, as far as like production quality goes, yeah. like, like how you want to do that fast hardcore yeah. sound. That thing is just and John's perfect. voice sounds perfect. So good, yeah. And yeah. it's so rad to see John go from happy go lucky dude at the show to being like rah, yeah, like, for knife fight. It was wild. Yeah, no, that was awesome to see John get to to do that. Cause that was kind of like, I don't know. He was, he was in the other bands, but knife fight was like his band, right? His vision. Um, any issues you were saying that you didn't like one of the sick of it all samples I chose. <laughs> no, I was just saying, how are you going to play, you know, something from the, we stand alone seven inch and not go, we, we stand alone. Like that because, wasn't the part. <laughs> because that verse is so like, punk sounding and hard yeah it's like you know with like the little like snare breaks it's like i don't know you you don't think of like a, a harder hardcore band having like that punk sensibility but they still had it in the 90s yeah well just so everyone knows we have a group chat with the three of us on it that like when we even just not even listen to this thing we just discuss things further <laughs> and just kind of rile each other up a bit I just take everything personally. And then <laughs> and then you you also brought up that uh I played the whole in control song. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I did I did write to the group text and say, Don't think I didn't notice that the entire in control song got played as that sample, but everything else was like a ten second sample. Well, I'm sure uh, <laughs> anyone listening to the pod this podcast specifically is not gonna be complaining about that. Oh no, no 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 but, uh, but I'll, I'll, I was just riling it. But uh, no, I know. It, it, that's like I think that, that was a good roast. Yeah. But I'll tell you the reason is because I don't Daniel Daniel suggested that I do like the little clips of songs to give people an idea of uh you know what these bands sound like if people aren't aware and I think that's a good idea but in the in like this time of like rights and how they work um I don't know cuz I did that one episode of uh it was like the music behind the first 8 episodes and like there was nothing famous on there and like YouTube took it so yeah, I don't know. Like, I was just worried that like we do a podcast that's like you know three hours in length overall, and like I don't want the whole thing to get like 
I don't know, potentially iTunes could yank it or something. So anyway, I try to keep it short. And I talked to Adam Lentz from Rev, and he gave me permission, hopefully, hopefully approved permission, that it's cool to use clips. And he just said, you know, any problems, like, send them to me. So I assume that if he's cool, then, you know, a 15-second clip is whatever. But I put out that in control record, so I got the rights to the whole thing. If I could have played a, If we could have played a whole song of each one of those, I would have loved to do that because – you know, a clip of a hardcore song, you don't get the whole feel. Especially if you think about, like, clipping out a little piece of a burn song. Yeah, or especially the way Greg breaks down. All right, you got fast, you got pit, you got <laughs> semi, you know, you got your half pace. Like, he, he breaks down the formula quite well. Yeah. Okay, so this episode, we are going to do the greatest hardcore LPs of the 1980s the 1990s, and the first 10 years of the 2000s again. Um, and we have a big Hall of Fame this time. And we also, we're going to elevate the negative approach 7-inch from last time to the 185 miles South Hall of Fame because we all had it. And uh, these are lists of what we're choosing. It is personal preference, but... There is a little bit going in with like the importance of things, which is, uh, you know, I think we would have all agreed last time around that the minor threat seven inches should be on there. Um, and I wanted to discuss more than three records, which is why we put that into the Hall of Fame. And this time it's a little bigger. And, uh, you know, there's some no brainers. I'll go through them right now. Um, so we're going to have lists outside of this. These are Hall of Fame. So we should, we should list the Hall of Fame for each decade before we start discussing the decade. Yep, you know? I'll do the 1980s Hall of Fame right now. I'm going to read them all off, and then we can go through and discuss each of them because you wanted to spend more time on them. Yeah, I mean, imagine, you know... We, ah! So when I listen back to the, to the last podcast, I swear I say like and you know... A million times, and I it's fucking hate it. California podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I say it. like all the time, so whatever. Don't feel bad, dude. Um, okay. So, Hall of Fame of LPs, The Minor Threat... LP that has both seven inches on it. Minor Threat out of Step LP. Chromags, Age of Coral, Gorilla Biscuits, Start Today. Agnostic Front, Victim in Pain. And I was super stoked that both of you guys have this on your top five uniform choice, Screaming for Change. I did not think this was going to get Hall of Famed, but if all three of us have it, it gets Hall of Famed. So there you go. That's the 185 miles south LP 1980s Hall of Fame. Jump in. Yeah. Well, just to touch on uh, Screaming for Change, to, in my opinion, it is the very best non-minor threat straight edge record of all time. The song No Thanks is absolutely perfect in the formula of the song the lyrical content 
the playing and the production. Because does it make you feel when you drink, 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 drink? drink, drink. Now you're laughing. Oh. You're happy, but it's not as funny as you think. Think, yeah. think. This record is important to me because I have Straight and Alert on my collar. Yeah. Right there. And the main reason I picked it, too, is when I listen to just the 80s, just straight edge hardcore in the 1980s. Now, in this time in my life, like the one that I can always put on from start to finish and jam it and just still get that feeling, like just get like get energy, like get amped up and just like it's it's that one. Like, oh, I won't even spend a youth of today record. Aside no, this cyber. is this I, is I the don't p- even like listen to any uh, table flip first table flip of the day. It's the <laughs> it's the perennial. This is the perennial stage dive on your bed record. Absolutely, it comes on. You fucking lose it. You stage dive on your bed. It's so cool R- because definitely like I, still like I've I've done it in the last year. I, yeah. <laughs> think of what UC was having to deal with. Being a band at that time period in SoCal, where it's just the most like absurd, crazy punk rock shit on the planet, where you have like legitimate gangs at yeah. these shows, just crazy shit. Like, you hear any old. Can we go? Yeah, are we good? Oh, Sorry, yeah. I've, uh, it's my work calling. You can edit that. You can hear. You hear uh, no, no editing until a hundred patrons. Yeah, no, you can hear like you know any any old story about like Southern California punk rock shit. It's just absurd. It's crazy. There's like no rules. It's just anything's going. So the fact that you see is a straight edge band and they're going out there and you know they're playing these gigs with that message and then they they're just like a fucking force. You got Pat Dubar and it's just props for them to just. Be this, be the straight hedge band out there, and to, and to push it. And I, I can't find a fucking flaw with that record. Well, also do that song "Once I Cry." Fuck! Fucking such a good ass song. Yeah, and the artwork. Perfect. You know, the whole Iconic. record is pretty is perfect, and so. Maybe that doesn't come across on everyone's lists other than ours, but man, you should revisit that record. And I think it is still currently in press. Didn't Southern, Southern Lord? Lord? Southern yeah, Lord. Yeah, they did the right. Yeah. But like Greg has straight and alert on his collarbone, I have no thanks on the inside of my lip that most of it's fallen out at this point because it's 25 years old or whatever. I just but, have it in my heart, dude. That's all you need. And uh, I think. Too, it's still underappreciated in the realm of like straight edge hardcore. Yeah, I, is it is it just because it rages too hard? Like it just yeah, goes. I, I think it has that really fast SoCal. It doesn't have like the starts and stops of like no of the hardcore that would come like two years later. Exactly, it just fucking it's it's minor threat raging. But but even that like the song straight and alert. I mean that's like pit. Fast part pivot, so it's well, that's there, that, but it's, it's it still that's that old style of like the slow to fast, exactly. slow to fast. So yeah, it doesn't have that you know because obviously Youth of Today comes out and then creates the the fucking formula sure. for for this. But I mean, where where are they drawing their inspiration from? Yeah, and, know, and what label did well, they, exactly. they who, did, who well, did they reach out to to put out their record? Yeah, well, where they're drawing it from is the next one we can talk about, which is Agnostic Front Victim and Pain. 
which is the oh fuck, it's so hard to say, but obviously one of the greatest hardcore Before writers we move ever. On, we've not discussed the poem. Okay, the, of uh, a Dubar theme because he does it in uh, Unity as well. Yeah, just the, the emotional side. Like we're talking about how jock and violent and gang related the OC hardcore was, and these are like dudes that also straight edge have become passe at this point to a lot of, you know, and they're still out there battling on and ending the record with a poem. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, well, they all played baseball, right? So they were kind of like sports dudes. He's a yeah. big jockey guy too. Oh, right? definitely. Yeah, but they weren't on that. Like what's up dukehead kind of jock vibe. Like they just, well, we only know I'm, the record when yeah, they, we, okay, we only okay, know the yeah, record when they yeah, cleaned yeah. it up. Yeah. They may well have Who been. Knows? They might well have been, but I don't know. Maybe they had to be that way in order to be that band during that time period. And the Kevin Oglesby uh, drawing of the show is so cool. I know. It's so iconic. I yeah, love it. I tripped out. I would analyze it the first time I saw it. I was like, whoa. And that Radio Silence book was great because they brought a lot of his pictures of back on leather jackets and stuff, like from the time period that he did that uh, pencil drawing for the, for the UC record. And, you know, he also did some other, rec- other uh, cover art, but to see those like hand painted leather jackets and stuff that he did around that time was it's, sick. Like what we just said, it's just a little too punk. Yeah. For, I feel like for your average, for your average edge dude, it's yeah. just got that little, that rawness to it, which is weird. Cause I don't, like people will jock the fuck out of Minor Threat, obviously, but then like not give the same love to UC, which is I feel like the perfect segue band into what's gonna hit in like right in the mid eighties. So For sure, I just, I don't, it's like the missing link between the two. So definitely, it also gets tarnished with a California brush. Like East Coast does not like to give props to California, like in society in general, not even just in hardcore. Look at. Look at the way ESPN re- reports sports. The West Coast teams get fucking shit on compared to like Boston and whatnot nonstop. I feel that happens in hardcore as well. And if this record had come from Boston or New York, oh, it would people be it, would, it would be yeah. like Mount Rushmore. You know, it's a fucking amazing record. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut off that, but I wanted the poem to be mentioned. No, I think that's good. Um, but when you're talking about youth today, they were going for that agnostic front victim and pain sound. I read an interview once that they were trying to basically have like the seven seconds message on the AF music. Yeah. And, uh, and fuck, they knocked it out of the park, but let's talk about this agnostic front victim and pain. Perfect record. I got to, uh, I was driving up to LA and I have victim and pain on cassette. So I just, you know, put it in the car and I was just listening to it from start to finish. And, once again, you don't ever have to skip a track on that thing. No, the thing is flawless. There's not a there, there's not a clunker. And and you know, like I hate to say it, but like on on the UC, I don't like to listen to Straight and Alert, and I don't like to listen to the song Uniform Choice that much anymore. They cut that's up. That's just because they they bore into your soul too much. I know, yeah. but they they cut up the record. But like, so. Part of me thinks they make the record great, and but they're also like what I don't want to listen to anymore now. Like also like, uh, you know, the first suicidal tendencies record. Like, I don't need to listen to like the long songs. I basically am just listening to like the the short fast ones. You know. No, de- definitely. Uh, but victim but and AF pain has and, none. Victim and pain also has that sense of urgency to it as well. Well, they don't have any of those. So like, they didn't go for like. 
that big drawn out no. like monster early eighties like punk song. Um, it's just everything is fast blast and it's like, you know, is verse chorus verse chorus breakdown or verse chorus breakdown or whatever, and it's fucking perfect. And what what exact year did it? Uh, 80, I think it's eighty four. Eighty four. It is eighty four. Okay, so. It could be three. I don't know. The seven. I think, inch, I, I think it's like I think officially released as eighty four. It's got to be eighty four. The seven inch is eighty three, right? Because Negative Approach is eighty two, United Blood is eighty three, and the LP is eighty four. Yeah, it. I mean, just think of the contemporaries that are around at that time, and it's so catchy. It's, and they did the best LP of that sound. Like the other bands, they didn't ever transition and do an LP, really. Right, like. Antidote didn't do an LP. Well, because all those you bands know, could throw as many songs as they want on a 7-inch. <laughs> well, that's true. Because you know, it still would fit it. That's true. that's true. Yeah, and... I don't know what to say about this record. It's okay. like, it's just too perfect. Well, also, too, you know, the original... Because Bridge Nine did the reissue, and then obviously didn't press the original cover art, which is, you know, the uh, the photo of, like, the... Was it the SS officer, you know, shooting... You know, uh, it's like a Holocaust photo. Yes. So talk about just for that time, a record to come out with that. So it's going to be completely misunderstood, like from the jump. But obviously, like they want that shock value. So you have just if you picked up that that fucking jacket and you look at it and you're like, holy shit, like just that gnarly of a photo and you just see like agnostic front victim in pain you, you like flip it on the back like you're just analyzing it and you like just perfectly matches like the artwork and the music just mad like just syncs up so well which is always like the sign of a great record it's like when your artwork yeah, yeah. and your music it's just like hand a glove like just perfect but it's weird hearing about like the old like mrr being so against him and stuff because like did MRR just not like look at the lyric sheet? Like these lyrics are so good and positive. Yeah. And, and, and then like, that's the crazy thing about it. Cause you look at this jarring artwork about just one of the most like craziest atrocities, one of the craziest atrocities in human history. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, was it the juxtaposition of like the lyrics, which is just well, he's all calling these, for unity. Yeah. These, all these anthems in it. And yeah, I, well, I feel like, uh, you know, maximum rock and roll fucking, Miss the mark. Well, we were just talking about Constantly. an East Coast bias against, uh, you know, California bands can't be hard or they can't be, you know. There's also the MRR bias against East Coast tough guy stuff, what they perceive as being tough guy or Neanderthal or anything without even giving it a chance. This record did get re, uh, re-reviewed later on because it was acknowledged as, like, we can't let this be referred to as being, you know, the original review it got because we know that it is a genre-defining record and it is a... And it's positive. Important, yeah, yeah and, it, it, and Well, uh, there's a song, Punks and Skins United. You yes, know? What, 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 more do you, what more do you want? Dude, the fuck... And let's not forget Power. Just the track Power. Man. Oh, my God. Dude, and it's is... like, well, I think Stigma says that he wrote that in, like, the late 70s, so he's just mm-hmm. like... Had that baby in back burner for like a couple, you know. Yeah, I like remember a couple years till he, he when they came debut it, when right? they came back. It was like right when they came back into that Epitaph record, and we went and saw him at the whiskey, and it was like packed out, and it was just like 
gnarly dudes. I think that they took everyone's ID on our way into the show. Oh, absolutely. You should do um, that as a showcase for them. For okay. the most gnarly shows too. Yeah, it was crazy. And like when when they played Power, my friend Chris Grande, who was probably like the only person at the show, like sub six foot, he fucking did this huge stage dive. And the whiskey is like that's a really high stage. It's it probably is. a, a five is. foot stage, maybe. Yeah. You know? Um, which is really high to stage dive off of. And he, he did one of the most beautiful stage dives. It's like it could have been captured like on a Boston hardcore record good. You know, and anyway, he lands on this fucking knucklehead, and the guy like kind of helps him up. He's like, "Hey, are are you okay?" And I see this from above because I'm sitting on the balcony, and the guy kind of picks him up. He's like, "Hey, are you okay?" And like Chris, like, "Oh yeah, man, I'm good." And then you just see the guy's like face scrunch up, and he's like, "Good, because I'm gonna fucking smash you." <laughs> like he's like kind of holding him like a big old bully, you know. And Chris just kind of like wiggles away like into the crowd, and the guy like. Can't get through because Chris is like the only small guy there. So, but yeah, power, dude. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna make Where you stage. Where was the other two members of the Grande Triple Threat? Well, Chris was like the one that was the most into going to hardcore shows. But uh, that's the thing, dude. That power song is such a rager. It's gonna make you stage dive of the whiskey. Well, the first time I saw Agnostic Front was in Tijuana, and they played this kind of like abandoned movie theater type mm-hmm. deal, and. They played like the lobby part of it, and then it was crazy because when you walked uh, into where the theater used to be, there was just like no ceiling, like no roof. It was just all like open sky above it. And then you know, AF goes on and plays, and it's. I feel anyone that has any type of like, oh, these dudes are fascists, or oh, you know, like skinheads, or oh, like Iron Crosses, or whatever, like just hasn't gone to an AF show because. There was every type of subculture at that show in Tijuana. Like, it's, you know, when when you look at, like, the hardcore show flyer and, like, the kids draw, like, the skinheads and the fucking, you know, you charged up UK82 yeah, yeah, yeah. dudes and youth crew kids, but it's never that. No, but it's there it is. It's just a fucking hardcore show. Like, it's just filled with hardcore kids. There's definitely, like, no. one dude whose favorite band is The Addicts. Exactly. No, this show was, like, every drawn yeah. Unity flyer on the planet. And yeah. just to see, that's my first time seeing them. And then it's in, like, it's in fucking Mexico, too. Yeah. So, like, the fact that they're just rolling down. I mean, they're one of the most misunderstood bands on the planet especially Definitely. you know with, with roger being you know cuban and just you know t- and once again maximum rock and roll just well maybe pre- and this is also too such of it is just pre-internet like seeing a you know maybe like a photocopy of a photocopy of something and just going like oh shit well we're dealing with skinheads in california and they're all they're all nazis they're all bad and then you have this one band and like yeah, it's just like not instant information, and so you're just as I got into hardcore, yeah. the skinheads <laughs> repped AF like crazy, and the skinheads came and ruined shows. So I didn't give AF a chance, and then also I was hearing early '90s AF, which wasn't stoking my fire as oh, much. It's gonna be as, on Greg's list, though. Oh, definitely, but. Um, it, it you know I didn't give them a chance until later on where it's like yeah until they know. put out Gotta Go and then you're like this is my favorite fucking band ever well and then I was like yeah rancid <laughs> um, the song rips H referred to Gotta Go as the national anthem of Europe <laughs> <laughs> hey 
one of my one of my like sorriest San Diego moments like ever was a Mad Balls playing Soda Bar, and I don't know who started it, but it was like during like just in between a song, you know, like they're like tuning, and then like someone in the back like it's just like and like the whole crowd starts singing it, dude, and I was just like so fucking embarrassed cringing cringing and then like dude fuck e- no yo, no even freddie like kind of looked up and was just like kind of like a mouth like are you fucking serious right now dude <laughs> that's, but that's not our band that's <laughs> sick though yeah but it's a it's a related band uh, and it's a bunch of people at a bar having fun all right yeah you're right I'm oh dude that really yeah. sucks those guys were having fun and you singing a song they enjoyed right, with hey, their friends hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna reach. You know what though? Hey. Like, when Retaliate plays, okay, let's sing your brother's band no, song. I'm gonna, you know? I'm gonna retract my statement because you are right, Zach. Like my my whole feeling of that is just like shitty message board opinion. Yeah, you know, and like that's a thing. And I'm gonna start. I'm gonna send this message out to like the youth. Like, yo, people just at an event. And if they're just hanging out and singing, dude, that's a fucking good thing. So I'm going to retract that statement. Appreciate I, that. I agree with both of you, but I do <laughs> also think like was fucking Freddie's up on stage and it's like, you know, we've done some legendary songs ourselves. I know, but we're going to sing them in a minute. <laughs> well, one thing we haven't mentioned about Victor Pain is Blind Justice. Like, oh, one the one the one. When it's like, bah, bah, and like the, the film, oh, you feel it, it hits your soul, dude. Hits your fucking soul. Well, the greatest thing is that when it goes to the breakdown, it does the music three times yeah, before the singing comes in. It's kind around. of like a weird, like, you kind of, it kind of psychs you out. You, like, you might come yeah, in earlier. Yeah, it goes three times. They fixed it for the live at CBGB's. They did. But it, it changes it. The three, like, gives it that fucking soul because, you, you know, playing those notes. Like those are just iconic notes. You know what it is, dude. Dude, you know that they were just like jamming. Yeah. And they're like, this feels so fucking good. Let's go one more time. You know? And did it and it was perfect. Uh, if anyone listening to this, you can go to a if you have Facebook, you go to Don Fury's Facebook and he's kind of doing like a little like video blog series and he talks about recording. Victim in pain, so mm-hmm. I highly recommend it because you get a little more insight into it, and it's very cool. That's yeah, cool. You, you'll I'm learn a lot more than listening to these fucking guys, myself <laughs> included, right? Well, I think what happened yeah. was uh... well, they, brought, they just jammed it through. <laughs> like, well, I wonder how many people have screamed at their phone or whatever they've been listening to the podcast, like you don't even know that, that it was this. And I'm oh, like, uh, sorry, dude. Me <laughs> when I'm listening to us, it's like even on. Uh, you you brought up sheer terror and we're like oh yeah like uh, it was Paul it was swing guitar it was Gary yeah I was like fuck whatever anyway we can't Paul was in uh, non more black yes so yeah yeah so at least corrections <laughs> so let's move on to GB Gorilla Biscuits start today. I mean, perfect straight edge, hardcore, late 80s record. Perfect amount of melody. Perfect amount of melody. 
perfect messages, like actual let's address things within the scene and within the world. Yeah. Um, As well as, hey, we can poke fun and have fun at ourselves, like start today about procrastination and like just laying around doing nothing Mm -hmm. while they're, you know, a couple members of their band are in another band that's talking about wake up and live and get out and do all of this stuff, you know? So I don't know. The production's fantastic. Walter is obviously just a supreme songwriter. And um, even when you, when we discuss these LPs of being perfect and the artwork, but also the track listing, like the way this goes across. Yeah. It, I couldn't imagine it being in a different order. I think it's one of those records, too, that wherever the spectrum of hardcore that you fall on, like anyone can get down to this to this album. Yeah. Totally. You That's know? why it's Hall of Fame, because you weren't going to have it on your list. But I, I kind of... Acknowledgement, you know? And, and it's, it's... Some bands are able to perfect the scene where it's like you have the perfect combination of melody, like speed, aggression, hard, but it's still lighthearted. There's still mm-hmm. an element of seriousness to it. It's very hard to do, and you can't force it. It just has to be an organic thing that comes. Cause as soon as you try to, Oh, I want to try to hit all these, like touch all these bases, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to blow it. Cause it's completely forced with that thing. It's just the perfect, like collection of ideas, especially you have these dudes. So they're already like watching all just the whole spectrum of New York hardcore. So you're just going to get all of that flavor. You're going to get like, like I said, the aggression, the speed melody, yeah, and um, his voice cracking like exactly. adds to like the sincerity, that right? Sincerity like he's just it. going for it. Like seventy five percent, his voice is perfect, and then when he he hits like, or as you say, clipping, it and it blows out. It makes it even better because oh, it's I know. like, and you know, Walter's re- listening. That, you yeah, know. Walter's listening to that, going, no, no, that's the take. Yeah, let's leave that. You know. Yeah. Also, um, the, if we're just talking about new direction, like lyrically. Jesus. Of, of the how to sum up the disdain but still staying positive for people turning their back and throwing the nose the nose help you know nose up in the air basically yeah it's it's i i think it it never really got as much until i got older never became really as important as oh my god this i mean it's just a perfect document for and and, and then it's great and then fight gets them eight years later <laughs> Well, the, the best thing about it is that Walter also played slowed down songs, yeah. but still has never not been the person who wrote that song. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, I, just I the, love it. Just the horns. Yeah. <laughs> just the opening horns, man. So we used to play hardcore and punk rock softball in San Diego on Saturday mornings, and we had a uh, boombox with tapes, so everyone would have their walk-up music. And uh, don't think I'm not going to mention this, Don, but Don used to come up to Pure Disgust by One Life Crew. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fucking Don, dude. Yo, that's kind of... Yeah. Would, that, would he deliver, though? Because if you're yeah. going to come out to, to that... He, he hit like a double and or a double or a triple, but ran all the way around the bases, flipping everyone off while that was playing, and especially flipping me off and telling me to get out. Because I'm English. And how, how buff was he at that time? He was just normal. Normal Don. But um, the, the funny thing is we had the tape there. Rich the Wacky, you know, the, the stuntman 
extraordinaire. Um, he is the one who brought the boombox, and we had GB horns looped on a tape for anyone that we didn't know or like kind of like what we would consider like a generic participant in the game. <laughs> so anyone who walked up that had GB horns, it was like, oh yeah, here comes this person. You know? <laughs> no, that's fucking genius. Well, that's going to be the horns for our Hall of Fame, so let's not shit talk them. Oh, no, it's not shit talking the horns. It's just a funny thing that the horns are burned in my mind. No, yeah. that. This any start of a great record is just like, maybe not even like, a song jumping like right from the gate just like a quick little intro thing where you know it's like it's about to hit oh yeah like okay like let's get ready also rich the person who had the boombox had looped you motherfuckers over and over again from twin (laughs) (laughs) and so as he was walking up that's all it would say over and over again it was pretty rad um you (laughs) want to say anything else about gb i i just i mean the first press like with the embossed part, like just that extra little fancy touch. The, I mean, just think of the iconography of their visual, like the seven oh, inch yeah, with the gorilla, and then they took the evolutionary thing for start today, and they use almost like rasta colors, and it just everything about it works. Obviously, maybe it wouldn't as much if the record wasn't as good, but the whole package no, it is worked, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one. It's one of those records too. You could show it to like the average person, and they'll be like, "Wow!" Like, yeah. Like, how how often visually you... appealing to him. Like, it's like aesthetically. Like, oh yeah. You look into it, and you just lay out colors. Yeah, and blue like and yellow said. go yeah, together really perfect. well. How often have you looked at the you know the live pick with the stage diving and just? I look at every single square inch of that picture like, what was that show like? Where was it? You know? Yeah, I actually, I was at Amoeba maybe six months ago, and I'm not a very outgoing person, and I definitely don't want to talk to people, generally. But there were these two girls, and they were shopping for like, I don't know, their husband or their brother or some shit. And they couldn't decide what they wanted. The punk section is not super big, and like, they, I saw them like in The Descendants, and they're like, oh, I know he loves this stuff. And then they were in The Minor Threat, and they're like, I know he loves this stuff. And I was like, I had to tell him, I was like, dude, buy him this Gorilla Biscuits record. And if he doesn't like it, like, I almost, like, call and me and I'll send it. you 20 bucks. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a, I mean, I hate to say it's, like, entry level, but it is, like, a perfect record yeah, for all, you to, like, get into hardcore. All on. bases are covered on that. You know? Oh, especially, too, like, getting into hardcore where, like, just hearing nothing but yelling mm-hmm. is going to, and it's still to this day will turn. I would say what eighty percent of the populace, ninety percent of the populace away, mm-hmm. away, like off immediately. Sure, you know I can only understand them. Yeah, like not with that. Yeah, agreed. Okay, the big boy, Chromags, Age of Coral. I mean, let's just start with the cover. Yeah, okay. Perfectly it wins. Yeah, it's, I mean, the the picture alone with just the logo, like, it almost said she was at your spine just thinking about it. Yeah. Like, it's perfect. And first hardcore band with, like, super hard intro? I mean, yeah. intro just, like, hit it. 
And that's kind of a thing that bands did. Yeah, it spawned after this, like, we're going to come up and we're going to play something for you to move it to before we even start the set. Yeah. I think, uh, actually, I have, like, a funny story about this, because it ties into a a Max Wood gig. So (laughs) H and I were were driving up to do that, uh, uh, whatever, some gig up there, right? Uh, Page store. Oh, yeah. So we're driving up in the box truck, and... uh, we were diving into some uh, just stupid current like rap beef between Machine Gun Kelly and Eminem <laughs> or whatever. Okay. I'm gonna tie this into the to the age world. Don't worry. So we were listening to all this shit, and then we decided to like listen to some Machine Gun Kelly, and then we just went into this like you know wormhole, just like what passes is just like rap music nowadays. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, dude, what the fuck, just. You know, trying like not hating on it immediately, but just like not getting it, and then yeah. we just like felt like just kind of confused about things. Yeah. And so there's just like silence, and age just like gets the aux cord and just puts on its limit. <laughs> and like I, because it's one of those records, man. Palate like, cleanser. Yeah. You know, you, well, you burn it out, right? Like you don't yes. ever have to listen to it, but when you first discover it, mm-hmm. you're going to listen to it nonstop because it's like, I mean, it's the fucking Bible, right? And then, like, I hadn't heard it, and I'm, I'm just listening to it in, like, the box truck that doesn't even have, like, a good sound system, right? Just of course that, not, like, in the Penske. And then just the... Just perfect. And immediately, I just feel, like, so refreshed, like, so, like, this this is, like, the best fucking hardcore record of all time. Like, there's nothing that's going to ever top this goddamn thing. No, and you can fall in love with different pieces of it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like... You know, I feel like that, like the It's a Limit and Don't Tread on Me are like my favorites. But like, I don't know, one day, I don't I don't know, like I just had Shuffle on or something like that. Shona Mercy song comes on and I was just like, dude, no band could ever replicate this song and do a song like this and have it be this good. It's just that mid-tempo and it's fucking surging. And the call-outs. Yeah, yes. It's just, it's ridiculous. So the album is, is huge. It's diverse, and uh, I mean, it's... What about the original Inner? (laughs) Go ahead, Daniel. (laughs) Uh, No, it just, you know, it was taken away for a reason. And back to my analogy to the Bible, you know how people love the Bible, (laughs) but sometimes it'd be like, I kind of don't agree with that passage or that one little written thing in the Bible that can kind of apply to the age of coral and certain things. And anyone listening to this will know exactly what I'm referring to, but uh, I'm not going to let that, like, what is it? Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Throw the bathwater. Well, let me hit hit you with another thing. So, they go the Krishna route. Is that after this? So they kind of woke on that stuff at this point. At this point, and it's, okay, a, it's people, a very homophobic religion. Um, is it okay? But anyway, I, I spent a month in India, and dudes hold hands. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like uh, like seriously, if if we were just walking down the street and we're friends, we would hold hands. I mean, I, it's. I, I mean, so I don't know. Like, I I know that 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 sleeve gets canceled because of that. But like, I don't know, maybe they're Indian dudes and like, they literally hold hands. Like, I don't, I don't know. People think it's a gay thing, right? I mean, I think it just falls into a lot of the whole New York hardcore thing where it's just like a lot of mis misguided yeah. anger and you're living in a place that's, it's 
completely different time period and just different environments. So but what that not pic- excusing it. Just what that picture is showing is what's wrong with society. All the things are what's wrong with society. So, oh yeah, even if it was like friendship is not. Yeah, yeah friendship's not wrong with society. Yeah. But I don't know. I just I thought that was an interesting tie-in because because culturally that's like very normal. Like you wouldn't think twice oh, about yeah. it. Like, yeah, I mean it, it was just something that I noticed. Hey, I, and I, I really shouldn't. Nest- I mean, it, it's worth discussing that there was something that takes away from its absolute one hundred out of one hundred score is the fact that potentially you know minds were not as open as they should have been. Well, it's cool that we've we've moved forward, right? Yeah. But, People are more woke. I mean, Seekers of Truth, like, could any other band replicate that as well either? You know, it's just a weird anomaly song. Like, it, it's it's just one of those, like, the planets aligned one in a million type record with that collection of dudes because it makes perfect sense how they all treat each other right now. Yeah. And what's that saying? Like, the sign of a great band is that all the members fucking hate each other. Or have you ever heard that line? No, I think no, that's a terrible line. Well, no, but it's like a lot of like so the Slayer and the Chromags. Well, think of it like just bands. Like there's always these like struggles between when members. When there's a competitive element, a competitive thing. So yeah. you have that, and I, like that record is like. I don't know, it's like a fucking reactor, like a nuclear... Like, there's, like, a fucking explosion going on, and they somehow managed to, like, contain it enough to, like, deliver it and into some production. type of energy. And, oh, yeah, and yeah. And it's yeah. just... I say, like, it's never going to be replicated because it's just, like, the certain amount of dudes living a certain way at a certain time period, and it's just... Some people will argue the demo. No. No. Not at all, because... No. The production on the LP is if those, you know... I never got that if argument. The, if the either. sliders oh. on the thing went one way or another, like, it would... It's perfectly yeah. done. No, because cause the, the production of the LP is, like, you... For people to say, like, oh, it's too polished. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, that's the guitar tones sound like a to. swarm of bees, though. <laughs> like, that's what it does. Like, yeah. it sounds like... Like I said, back to that like nuclear reactor where they're still somehow containing it. Like that's what that fucking thing sounds like. And the, I don't think there's any better three seconds in hardcore than like yeah. That if if you wanted to, you know, send you could only send three seconds out to the aliens to be like, this is what hardcore punk is. It's right that. Oh, and then the the we gotta know video just being like. The coolest hardcore video of all time. I don't know. We're about to discuss no more when we get to there. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So finally wrapping up the Hall of Fame of the LPs of the 80s, Minor Threat, the self-titled uh, LP that's both seven inches and the Out of Step. Other than the iconic cover, I don't think we even discussed the both seven inch thing as an LP really. Other than just 
Well, I don't how know, many, how he, many people thought that was Ian for their whole lives just to be like, what? That was his brother? Yeah, and then he yeah. grew out a mohawk on that Rancid record. Yeah. yeah. I think um, it's so sick that he like went after Nike too. Like mm-hmm. He like punked Nike out, which is just like a testament to that whole group. It's just him. Yeah. To just never... I mean, like hats off to him, even, you know, doing... Discord of Fugazi during the 90s and like still just still having right every now. opportunity to just cash the fuck in, especially during like the alternative explosion. Instead, he decided to inspire yeah. Daniel to hate stage diving. Yeah, exactly. They're like, yeah. And, and apparently a bulk of San Diego apparently was just like, hey, don't don't ever have fun at a show. Yeah. How dare you? That's it not was, what they're wait, for. Wait, so, so and Craig would come over 15 years come, later and scoff at him for singing. You come to shows to look at my <laughs> shoes, and that's it. What? Okay, hey, so no, because when you when you had Don on here, and both you guys were saying like, oh yeah, like we, you know, no one was like stage diving, and like that was like frowned upon. But then you just told me that like during softball games, he was coming out to like pure disgust. So like, oh, what kind of fucking like shenanigans is this? This is why San Diego is so great. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, but it wasn't just San Diego. It was. It was. That was a early '90s vibe that had started okay. across the you can't, board. You can't you know? look. You can't look for it to make sense. It's it's turning. It's well thought out. It's your, well thought out enough, but then it's like ah, fuck it, was slam. Yeah, and then it came back. You know, it, it's cyclical. Okay, you want to say anything about out of step? I mean, the songwriting is perfection. The lyrical content is perfection. Even the song that he's talking shit on the scene for talking shit on them. Saying that they're just cashing in. Like, the little laugh. I mean, just that little laugh. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. And, you know, in punk, we don't... Well, we're supposed to not worship any gods. You know? But Ian MacKay, for what you've just listed for still doing for you know for still doing discord for still putting together um you know an archive of all fugazi songs for still going down to the local dc like local council meetings and saying this is why all ages shows need to happen yo still being fair with his prices for distro (laughs) stuff like you know not like trying to like over like just being fair for these records to still get into stores and still be sold at You know, like I, a I decent su- price. I also support all bald people. Huh? <laughs> this is not really my story to tell, but since we're talking about Ian McKay, I'm I'm gonna just say it anyway because it's just so funny. Unbroken, we're going into DC. This is Rob's story to tell, and I apologize for doing it. But Unbroken, we're going into DC, and the traffic was backed up beyond belief. And there was a... In D.C. is a shocker. Because, <laughs> yeah, two-lane freeways and everything, you know? And as they get closer and closer, they're, edge, you know, eking along the freeway. And there's this person under the hood of an old Honda Civic, like... And Rob, you know, his voice cuts through anything. <laughs> they drive past this person, and they're like, Fuck yeah! <laughs> and this guy pops up angry as fuck from under the thing and it's Ian McKay. <laughs> Yo, how, like, like, how did he, like, how did he feel? Horrible. He, yeah. like, he wanted to self-harm immediately like, like, after just like, screaming. Like, I wish, like, if there was any, like, 
if you could get like just one photo of him, uh, would be like his immediate, like his face of like him I realizing would, that he just like yelled at God. Yeah, <laughs> like, to get a photo of Ian raging would be fantastic, and then the inverse of Rob having just yelled at God. No, that's that's just like an absurd story. It's so sick, like just them being in the traffic and then just like, who do you run into? Yeah, they're they're running late for their show, yeah. you know. So they're gonna. Well, how many people have told you the story about? Rolling up on Ray Capo. Oh, dude, and that, slow yeah. down. Yeah, that's. Like, <laughs> I've had like ten different people tell me that story. Like, that's <laughs> not real. But this one is. No, I believe it. Yeah. You know, one time we were going from fuck. I I hope I haven't told this on this on the pod before, but we were leaving Virginia Beach and going to DC. This is on in control tour, and we just gassed up, already eaten. Like we're not stopping, right? Donate to roadside records. <laughs> no, <laughs> so anyway. I don't know. What is that? Three hours? From what? Virginia Beach to D.C.? Depending on the traffic. Yeah, well, yeah. after a show, it's midnight. So oh, yeah. No, three hours, two and a half hours. Yeah. Anyway, there's this, there's this wreck in like the middle of the freeway, and I hang my head out, and I'm all, Hey, you fucked up. And the guy's like, What? And like gets in his car and starts trying to chase us. And like we're like, this is hilarious. Like this guy's chasing. Wait, like, was his car all foot? Like, no, nah, it was just like a minor fender oh, bender okay, in like the okay. middle of the road, you know. And but so, you didn't stick around. No, so he peels out. Him. So he's he's hit and run now. He's chasing us down, which is hilarious because what if he caught us? Like it's like six dudes in a van with like weapons and shit, right? Um, anyway, he chases us for probably like ninety fucking minutes, and we're just like laughing the whole time. Like you just see this guy raging behind us, like you motherfuckers, I'm gonna get you, you know. And now like. <laughs> He's probably home super late. Like his wife thinks he's cheating on her and shit. And, and like, it was Ian Mackay. No, <laughs> no, no. It was Paul Bear. No. But no. Anyway, finally he just turns off the freeway and goes. And we're like, man, Damn. he, he wasted, wasted like he literally time. wasted like three hours. No, that's funny too because you're like you said you're gassed up, so you're just like keep trying. Dude. We were going all the way to like wherever we're probably going yeah. to striking distance house, right, or something. <laughs> anyway, okay. So anything well, else on my? I mean. Yes, I am now the most iconic thing my ever. Out of step uh, album cover tattoo. I mean, it is the most iconic. I mean, we just talked about Age of Quarrel, but even this even out trumps it. Like the black sheep pointing the other way. I mean, it says everything. It really says everything. If you've ever felt that you. Don't I know this sounds so cheesy, but if you've ever felt like you don't fit in and you listen to that record, you're like, it gives you a little bit of badge of honor for not fitting in, and there's a reason that you you're proud to not fit in. You know, fucking's cool though. Well, this is the this is the uh, the discussion, right? So when they say fucking, I think you know it's taking advantage of. You know, not really being real with it. It's like just going out and servicing yourself and not caring about the other person. I think that's what is meant. I don't think it's necessarily like a a chaste thing. I think they're very open-minded people that if two people were just into having a fuck one night, that doesn't count as like... That's fucking... I don't, no, even, I don't. I don't even, think that. I don't even think it might. Might even be that deep. I think it was just like during the, that time period where it's just like fake silicone tits galore and like guitar solos, which is right up my alley. 
like and the emphasis is just like party I think it's before that no but like I party I, smoke sex like have, i think it was just him i think trying it's, to be I think, as like against all of it so I, think I, it's I don't a, think it goes that deep i well I, I think it's it's maybe way less deep and it's probably just like a kid thing of i don't want the guy in my band to get a girlfriend and break up our band no i've 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 watched an interview about this and then it also got brought up when he spoke at UCSD and it was more about um, kind of being irresponsible mm. sexually. Ah, okay, okay. And it was about like sex wasn't fucking. Like fucking was going out and just like oh yeah the things we were talking right. about earlier. Like people just going out and Hey, I didn't go to that uh, that Q&A you did but I already know for some reason that like the most two cringy questions were like asked in this tone, like, oh, still straight edge. And then someone must have asked, like, do you, do you listen to you hardcore? No, those were nowhere near as cringy as some of the other. Questions. Oh, really? No, because I feel you like that's why he puts two. on so much mayonnaise on a sandwich on another state of mind. Like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, that's a good, that's a fucking solid question. No, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of condiments, dude. You're gonna have to like come with some mustard now, too. It's like this is gonna be the wettest sandwich ever. ever. The cringiest question, I think, was someone asking him about if he could beat Henry Rollins in a sack race because that Henry Rollins in a sack race meme no. was really big at the time. So I just was like, Meh, when someone said that. And then, <laughs> so then he goes, the only place, it, later on, he goes, the only place, and Rob fucking loves this, <laughs> the only place that um, Fugazi hadn't been was India. And he goes, has anyone here been to India? And I'm like, oh yeah, I've been. And he goes, what's it like? And he he burned me. My my idol burned me in front of Rob, who burned him. I should have brought that up. <laughs> but I go, he goes, what's it like there? I'm like, oh. You know, I didn't expect to be asked. I'm like, it's crazy. Um, there's cows walking down the street, which was only going to be the first of what, what I was going to say. Like, oh, you know, the food's good, but I've... I would have just said a bunch of other things. It's so, the most so polluted said, country in the world now, and it's the worst country for women. Yeah, yeah. It, so when I was there, it was in the U.S. Navy, mm-hmm. and we had an international incident that happened. Hey, let me finish the other part. <laughs> so I go, there's cows walking down the street. He cuts me off instantly. He goes, oh, I guess it's crazy. There's cows on the street. Yeah. <laughs> My I don't burn me, and Rob's yeah. just like, Hey, hey, he was kind of a dick. Yeah, he's a total dick. Because he was burning other people, and I was like, oh, yeah, Ian is so sick. He just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, doesn't suffer fools, you know? But then yeah. I was one of the fools. Yeah. No, it's funny. I saw Shelter in the last year, and Ray was going on this this long rant about how, like, India is so much ratter than America because, like, instead of the family coming around the television, they come around the shrine, and, and it's like, just like, what about women? Well, I, I didn't have a good enough short heckle to like to bring up to him, but it's like, dude, that culture is so fucking rapey. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Like the women have to be on a separate like subway car. Well, that, yes. It, it, this and how is, do you ever let your culture get to that point when everyone? I mean, everyone at some point had a mom. Well, hey man, you how can hey, you you get to gather around the shrine? So there oh, that makes it okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. it okay, and the well, cows the, get to walk on the street. <laughs> so there's fine. there's 
There you go. Plenty of women speaking out in that country. And, and yeah, thank God. Yeah, and right. in Pakistan as well. But the thing that um, happened when I was in the navy, we we went off of Goa mm-hmm. and and more. I wanted there. to go there so bad, and it's it's cool. There's cows on the street. Well, everyone. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> It's like a different but, type of. It's a different type of cow. They look different. Too. Yeah, they had um, all the officers from the Indian Navy mm-hmm. of that of that port come on our ship, mm-hmm. and we had women officers as well as men officers on our ship, and you know all the enlisted us you know worker fools were just out like going to see India, but while this big soiree was happening on the ship. And to say what Goa is is like that's kind of like the vacationy beach oh, okay. spot. It's like the Waikiki of India. Yeah, and off on an island, yeah. just off of India too. Yeah. yeah. So they, um, the Indian male officers were just you know had a couple drinks and they just started sexually assaulting the female officers on our ship, just reaching out and grabbing body parts and doing whatever they wanted, and it created this like. <laughs> like fist fights amongst yeah. naval officers of two different like um, countries, which was like a total like incident. Like we were supposed to stay three days and we left the next day. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. I guess like you should tell Capo that one and tell him like he needs to take a I, I just, uh, I, I don't, I don't get it. You gotta, you gotta treat women better. Than and I feel like when he was going on that rant, down. like I, I, I was sa- laughing at his joke, not laughing at anything else. When he when he was like going on that rant about like how it was better than here, mm-hmm. like the sound guy should have just like started immediately playing like America Rules by Murphy's Law <laughs> or the Hulk Hogan, yeah, Hulk Hogan song. All right, that wraps up the Hall of Fame, because um, we we are elevating Native Pro Seven Inch to the Hall of Fame as well. And uh, but we did talk about that last time, so yeah, we're digging into the eighties. So uh, top five dudes, you want to just take turns? Yeah. Who wants to go first? Well, screaming for change is going to be my number one. Mm-hmm. So but, you got an extra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I actually wrote six down, so I'm a total cheat anyway. Um. All right, let's. Shall I jump in on one? Do it. See who else has it. Uh, Bringing it down by Judge. Don't have it. I don't have it. Holy shit. So we're off to a good start already. It's another one that's so good, like we could have Hall of Famed it to cheat. That's another, That's kind of how I felt. It didn't make mine. And I love everything about it. I love every single song. I love the production. I think it's better than the 7-inch. Yeah. I, I absolutely... Fed, I, I just want Fed Up on it. Like when Lost why and didn't, Found did it... Why didn't they do that? I don't know. But when Lost and Found did it, they threw Fed Up in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a perfect record. Another, yeah, again, it's a perfect hardcore record. And I feel like I know we just Hall of Famed a bunch of shit right now, mm-hmm. but I mean, you it's might. It's not on your list, though. It's not It's not on my list because I feel like it doesn't have to be on my list, you know? I know. like and, it's, That's a hard one. I'll, I'll tell you what I went with instead once we finish talking about this. But 
let we talk about. We were just discussing production, making you know Age of Quarrel like that. The production on this is, I think the the pinnacle Don Fury sound. Yeah. Well, how about when you were talking about like the the three seconds you'd give of hardcore? Just how about the first three seconds of this record? Yeah. Which I just just the. The little twelfth, twelfth yeah. fret ground. Yep. No, I mean like iconic. The the intro. I mean the fucking drums. Fade in sound. drum. Fade in drums. Yeah, on just, like just the verb, and, that, and, and that's that. That's that whole Normandy sound. Um, yeah. Just production values and just you know, and it, it, it's so sick too because you know they go and they they ch- they do the thing at Chung King, and it's just comes out super shitty yeah. and they're just like ah oh, fuck you know and then they're gotta, like no it's pony up and do it and yo, then, jordan we need more money yeah. but pretty but you could pretty You'll much make say it they, on the back end when you it, sell these records it, for three thousand dollars a piece you could pretty <laughs> much say they went through just a really crazy expensive pre-production we gotta get the window yeah um the one thing though like if you were gonna record you know you you're a hardcore band you want to sound somewhat like this you would take this in and be like this is how backups should sound mm-hmm. this is exactly how backup vocals need to sound on this record you know it it's i mean it perfect. was it was and the, the placement of them you know like when you listen to hip-hop and you know they double up their voice on certain things mm-hmm. and you're like oh yeah i could never not hear it like with mm-hmm. that extra like resonance on this line the way the backups have been placed on all of these songs is it's perfection. Yeah. And and the emotional overtones of what he's singing about. You know, Just like, beyond my touch, right? He wrote a love song. And I've lost like all of the that self. That is the one. That is a love song, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It, Dude, and, where it went. Yeah. 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 About a friendship. Like Fuck. and just I, I don't know. It's the it's the tales to the heads of youth of today. It's all a lot of the same people. There's that positive slant with the youth of today stuff, and then there's this. I don't know. You know, last time I said when we talked about seven inches, I talked about American ne- a nightmare kind of bringing like depression to the fore for that for that era of hardcore. You know, like showing that. But Judge, at the start, you know, the end of the A's, like, really diving into that in in a scene that was either about outward aggression or positivity. It was, like, inner self-destructiveness through, not substances, but through your mind, like, taking you down. And I think it's incredible. Well, he writes in such a retrospective way that's different lyrically. Yeah. Uh, I also like if you just listen to the, the track, bringing it down. Like the first half is just like, like fuck racism, and then the second half is like, oh hey, do we also forget to tell you that like drink it and you're smoking and you say you yeah. feel fun. Yeah. Like, you're just like, no, you're not getting off the hook, too. Like. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the only outwardly like extra edge edge track on it, yeah. even though this you know is such an edge band, you know? Um, Yo, there's a, and this is like really picking, picking the record apart, but there's a, in the song, a give it up. 
there's a there's a fill that Sammy does. It's just like like just super like hits symbol on like every downbeat, but he mm-hmm. hits like the perfect tom rolls. Mm-hmm. Just get chills every time. Like it's such a killer fucking drum fill. Yeah, and um, the drum production sounds great. Um, anything else on this guy? Um, <clears throat> when, when we when you look at the artwork, I mean varsity letters, the live shot, which is very atypical because the kids in the front row are just kind of looking away, like yeah, what's right. going on? But it's okay. that hard strum. He's doing yeah. the hard. He's strum. doing okay. the he's doing the opening. Yeah. To, okay. To the record. <laughs> That's where, all right, if I could have, like, a little criticism of that, I have two criticisms of the record, like, this is some fucking nerd shit, or, like, I'm not too crazy on the guitar tone on it, because I don't think it matches with the other production. As far as, like, drum tones, perfect. Bass tone. The bass on this record is... Perfect. Punchy, has, like, a nice, rounded, like, ringy kind of tone to it. It has that little reverb on that. Exactly. And then, just, like you said, group vocals... Are mixed like perfectly. Uh, <coughs> Mike's yeah. voice, perfect. Like yeah. nothing's overpowering. Just the guitar tones, just like a little, little thin, just a little thin sounding. Like if you're discussing the most perfect bass tone for a hardcore record, this is no, in th- the, this is in the conversation it's, for it's life, definitely up know? there. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, you know. Like I, you, you might like the cover art. Like I think they could have went a little more harder with the cover. No, art. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think that's what's interesting about it is you look at it and you go, oh, the tone, like the color tones of the record, the varsity lettering, yeah, the everything about kinda, it. Yeah, it's all perfect. But then when you focus in a little bit more past Porcel's <coughs> image, and you look at what the crowd are doing, you're like, they're, like, they're looking at like the roadie sound checking the mic off to the side or whatever. Something. I don't know. It, it's well, poor uh, cell probably pushed pretty hard for that one. Right. Yeah. I think he did everything on it. I mean, it says it's produced by him, but you know, it's done at, at well, produce. This means you're in the room. Well, I mean, I'm sure he just wanted recognition for it, you know, but it, you know, you guys gave me shit for not having New York crew on my, uh, seven inch thing and I just this LP is just it's a fucking banger and I I'm really shocked that it's not I, I expected it to maybe not be on one just because I know Oxnard put out a few LPs in the 80s you I had know? to come back I had to know, come so. back after my poor showing last time <laughs> no it, for, for me it's um, <clears throat> excuse me like it's kind of one of those it's almost like an unspoken and for me, slash, like, it might as well be a Hall of Famer for me. And there's going to be, I have a, actually a couple other a Hall of Fame mentions that might not be your guys' Hall of Fame selections, too. But that's kind of like how, like, it was, I was thinking about throwing it on there. But there's, I and, and, have some other lists where, well, I mean, fuck, I mean, the record is also so goddamn influential because it kicks in it kicks in like what straight edge is going to turn into like throughout the night it's going to give it that yeah i mean it it has to be the number one influence for like earth crisis well well, and strife and strife i mean strife is one of the most iconic bands of the 90s well and not in fact didn't people used to call him judge jr 
Yeah, well, I mean, also, just they obviously took this record in and said, I want our backups to sound like this when they did the both LPs on Victory, you know? I don't think, yeah, and I think what, it's just everything is in the key of E. Yeah. All of it. Well, no, I mean... Well, so it's I the think, first obituary, though, which well, is wild. Well, I'm going to push my glasses up. They weren't... They didn't tune their guitars to E, though. Well, I don't even know what that means, then. I never mind. Well, also... <laughs> When you say that there's an Earth Crisis influence, like that clean, pretty guitar intro, and then boom, it gets hard. Like all of these things, like when you think about it, they weren't really done. This is a game changer. This is a wind of change within Core. And it goes to show that the first time, like this record was being exposed to me, I was like, that's too metal. You know, I was liking other hardcore stuff. GB was my thing, but I I was very much uh, kind of this didn't click the very first time I heard it. It clicked the third time I heard it, where I couldn't put it down for six months. I listened to it every single day for six months, maybe five times a day. I like, I loved it immediately because it was like the first kind of 80s hardcore record that i heard that had this insane production value yeah it was my favorite rev record for a a long long time because it's the best sounding one of the late the late 80s oh just for like on production value for a rev release yeah yeah just that when you put it up next to something else that you're listening to in the 90s you're like well this still sounds better and it's older and whatnot you know yeah so going into mine that is similar i just think and the production's there and it's it's kind of similar, just a little harder, I think, is uh, Killing Time Bright Side. And if I was all now, all hope will be gone. Every day I stayed up myself. It can't be done. Try to look on the right side. Top, top, there isn't one. I've got to make I have that, too, and I was just about to say it. Now that I kind of look at it, it, it was neck and neck between bringing it down and Brightside. What's interesting about that is Brightside is on my honorable mentions because I, for this, with my personal takes, because what what I'm what I focused on on doing LPs because the the there's so much more material when it comes to an LP compared to a seven inch, is that I start with my personal taste. I started thinking about well, what are the things that have been absolute life-changing for me, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, what kind of is cut from the same cloth? Because mm-hmm. my seven inches, a lot of them were very much youth crew-oriented. Yeah, what, what hit so, you immediately? So bringing it down is just <laughs> just that touch higher than killing time for me for two reasons. <laughs> Straight edge is fuck because you know bringing it down the song, and maybe that's why I lean the other way. Yeah, and lyrically, this Killing Time Brightside is so good. Yeah, it's I mean it, I mean everything about it. It's a perfect record. I like Our art work. is big and Our iconic. Work is amazing. <laughs> I mean, these guys had two of the greatest band names ever: Raw Deal and Killing Time. Yeah. Oh, and then they look so movies. fucking cool in the back cover. That yeah. photo shot. It's just sick. And and maybe if. That Judge record uh, gives like the the runway for Strife. This gives the runway for Madball. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think Madball has their sound without this record and one voice. Without I mean, doubt. No, I mean Brightside without doubt. Brightside's a is a is a total game changer. And and just how you said it, like it gives the runway for Madball. It it they both of these records and that's why they're so neck and neck to me. And honestly, like I don't know why I'm feeling Brightside more right now. Because you're a hipster. It's better. <laughs> than uh than bringing it down, but the runway analogy is perfect because it really gives like bringing it down gives like the straight edge kids like no I can play heavier shit like we can start getting like kind of more heavier productions like hey I can do a little solo here it's like fine fucking poor Elders did one it gives yeah. it that we can go harder with this and then you know bright side is for the other camp there too where it's like no you can step it up too the one. The yeah, one the, thing I will say, if you go track listing, bringing it down, I don't think drops off anywhere across the record. Right side might lull a little bit. Oh yeah, it's really lulling the end when they hit backtrack and wall of hate. I yeah, I, <laughs> no, dude, I, you're I'm wrong. not saying that it goes down. I'm saying lulls in the middle. Oh, I mean, maybe in the middle, huh? These these are really these are really neck and neck for me. But dude, this okay. The killing time is wild because I think Judge. <clears throat> okay, I didn't give any knocks when we went through it, and I don't think that this is a real knock, but it seems like it's so well thought out to where it's like, I don't know, it's maybe a perfect hardcore record, right? But maybe when you do something so perfect and well thought out, it lacks a little bit of like that punk, YOLO, IGNO shit. Where, like, this uh, Killing Time, you still just have a song like Wall of Hate, where it's going to go, you know, and, like, that song is punk as fuck. Yeah. In an album where there's lots of very well thought out and riffy and produced songs, they still, like, fall back into that, like, little bit of old school craziness. There's there's that one dude in the band that's like, no, my song's getting on the record as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's the guy who's still writing like it's eighty five. <laughs> you know. No, I think I think you kinda you kinda knocked it out of the park with that description. That's kinda what I wanted to say. We you nailed it. It does have that that kind of like craziness of, of New York hardcore mm-hmm. to it. So I, I think I think that's why it's just it's just coming up a little more on top and bringing it down. Yeah. I mean in a year from now you may lean the other way. So I, I am, but it really does go to show what you're saying. When there's the one taskmaster do-it-all guy in a band, mm-hmm. he conceptualizes the whole project as one thing. So Porcel, you know, collaborating with Mike on the lyrics, you know, obviously, but he produced, wrote probably all the songs, and it's kind of his project, mm-hmm. you know, whereas... um you know, a collaborative band like we discussed, like Harley wrote all the music for Age of Quarrel, but that collaboration of all those people made it so perfect. Whereas <clears throat> with this, this is probably a something well, a little well, depending that on what Instagram account you're following from the Chromag member. <laughs> well, mean, that, I'm a Chromag <clears throat> JM, Chromag's P. I I love them both. <laughs> no, I love them both. Um, I never thought about you called Judge a project. And you're kind of right because other than Mike, they're all doing other bands. So maybe that is why Porcel, like he has such like a clear vision for what this LP should be. 
And it's like, I can do all my wildness in Youth of Today. And I can, like, I'm going to do a more melodic band, you know, down the road or sooner, whatever the fuck ever. But you have Killing Time, and this is their band. Yeah. And they're like, I got to stick, I got to have a little bit of that YOLO shit on this record. And I got to have a little bit of that melody on this record. And they're more street dudes. Yeah, no, because just assuming they're more street dudes. No, because Killing killing Time is in the fucking trenches. You know, so I think that's kind of. uh, Yeah, it's like. It comes off as more authentic to an extent, although Judge weren't trying to be a New York street band. Fuck. Yeah. I I think we're also doing a disservice right now of comparing them against one another when really, like, we we love both and both are like near perfect records. Yeah, I think the only only reason we're comparing them because they're both very hard. Metal tinged and are they both eighty nine? I think so. When is yeah. Bring Them Down? Eighty nine. Okay, so they're both eighty nine, and they're just both the apex of nineteen eighty nine hardcore production. Sonically, they sound fucking great, and they probably play together, but not as much as you would have thought because of the time period. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I heard on the Jamie Josta podcast um, a few weeks ago. I can't remember who he had on. It might have been Ezok. And they were saying that AF and the Cro-Mags have never played a show together. Yeah. Um, Harley said on, on a podcast recently that AF would never book Cro-Mags to play with them because they didn't want to be blown off the stage by Cro-Mags. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't have an opinion on that. No, I, I, well, no neither do I. Because kind of, no, The only thing I wish that could happen with John and Harley right now is, you know how like all the social media companies like pull the what they did to Alex Jones, which was just like, you're not on social media. Like that's kind of what I want to have happen to like both of them. Oh, just have them both banned from social media for, for a year for like a year. And I think that might be able to get them to be like, but how, I how feel would so you fortunate. find out about chemtrails? Oh, God damn it. I feel so fortunate. I got to see them play together because they played together at Posse numbers, 2002. That's right. And it was the shit. I'm it was sure. everything you thought it would be. I'm sure. Okay. So you do have killing time on your list. I do. Okay. Uh, but why don't you throw out another one? You can be the first one with your number two. Okay, I'm going to go with Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye. Cool. And... You know, obviously, was it the the roar? I cannot. Goddamn, roar. I can, roar. Yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to my mom for trying to put me in speech therapy. Uh, so obviously, you know, compared to that, I mean, and it's not obviously it's a cassette, so it's not going to make the LP cut, and that's you know genre defining. Yeah, if if that was an actual twelve inch yeah. LP that came out, it would obviously be HOF. Now, now yes. I will say. Yes. Now I will say that if the if the reggae cuts on Rock for Light were on the tape, it would completely cement because I think the the reggae cuts on the tape like aren't as good as the reggae cuts on Rock for Light. Now, I against I just kicking it off with that intro. And just being this crazy... I mean, they were, these guys were already top players, right? Sure. And for them to... Like, it's 86. 
And I know, because I'm just a guitar nerd, like, there, there's a ton of Van Halen influence on this album. Like, there's a lot of it. So, and you'll watch an interview, and they're just like, oh, we play jaw rock. And that's, like, the perfect description of this record. So, I've listened to it from, like, start to finish, and it's just got, like... <laughs> From playing to execution to like vocal delivery and just the variety. I mean, you might you might not even want to call it a hardcore album. I mean, because it's this kind of like standalone. Just you think it's its own genre? It yeah, it's just it's just them. But I mean, it definitely has like they they can't they can't leave hardcore. They behind. can't. Be, I mean, they fucking it, pretty much created a goddamn genre. Yeah. You know. So what if HR sang for Van Halen instead of Sammy Hagar? Because it's right around the same time. I like Sammy Hagar Van Halen better than David Lee Roth. Hey, uh, Halen. Uh, I'm gonna fucking leave. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Sammy Hagar was a better lyricist. <laughs> Trigger warning. Trigger warnings all over the place. No, I actually, like, like I like Rock for Life better. What both you just said, it was just like, like it didn't even like <laughs> the peanuts. I, teacher. I fucking didn't even like understand it. All right, anyway, back back to I like, like Rock for Light better than I can say. And Rock for Light's in my honorable mentions. The only reason Rock for Light is in my honorable mentions instead of making it into a list is because the raw tape exists and it's. Well, the production it's mostly the all the same songs. Well, yeah, no, there's but a, it's there, just it's just there's additional songs on Rock for Light that aren't on the tape. Yeah, but um, I and like it's produced the, by Rico Kasich. I like cars. yeah, I like the versions on the tape more. Yeah, they're it's funny seeing they're slower, right? Because <laughs> they're fucking lightning speed, but it's like. I don't know. Just there's more. There's Everything more. About there's harder. more baked into well, them, and well, so well, yeah. The rock for light. I mean that. I mean, like that almost sounds like it's sped up. Yeah. Like it, it's got this, and I think that's probably like what Rick wanted to do. Like fuck, fuck with you on the production. I think he just wanted to be like, you can play this even faster. I know you can. You guys are players. Like fucking Maybe. shred but, but this. The, but the product, and I fucking love it. I love that record too. But uh, and it's got like Riot Squad. You know, like just these cuts on it, but. For me, with I against I, for them to just start like experimenting, like you like take a track like Reignition, where it's like dun 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 dun, dun. yeah, where it's the just birth like, of hey, rap rock, yeah, we're gonna or the birth of groove and hardcore, yeah, right? like we're gonna play like a fucking slower jam, you know, and then yeah. any like older New York hardcore dude I talk to when yeah, they start it, talking mm. about that record, and I remember I think it was like maybe Craig Ahead was telling me like just seeing them at like webster hall and right when that record comes out and they're just playing the slower shit and it's just like a sea of people just like grooving yeah and then even just going like a track like hired gun Mm -hmm. with just like these lush chord arrangements yeah and just the fact that sacred love was fucking recorded when he was in jail you want to i mean there's there's just so many like legendary aspects of this record Production like Doctor No's tone guitar like I just it's one like these things I always say like I'm trying to fucking find a flaw on this thing and I cannot and I think it's just they just trans they were already like mystical at this point and they just truly just hit it and I don't think after this 
there are like quickness has its moments and um but it's just anything after this is just i don't know i mean i i feel like this is them at their peak of like creativity quickness is like their art of rebellion yeah kind of it's got like moments it's got its moments but it's still like this is a little too yeah so just i against i was a massive omdb tour van tape like and i used to really hate she's calling you like oh, I hated that song, God, right? That's such a sick cut. And they burned me so hard at the Che. I don't know if you were at this show. I don't know if you. It was later on, uh, and we used to cover Right Brigade all the time. So I I should have known something was up because Tommy, our drummer, never really wanted to do covers, but I was like the person who always pushed to do covers. Like, and put yeah. Up. Speaking of, we covered Raises in the Night, and you guys were supposed to do No Thanks, and you never held up your end of the deal. So that's beef. Well, then yell at Tommy because that's that's the reason, probably. Um, But so he's like, "Hey, let's play Right Brigade tonight," and I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" He's like, "Psyched to do a cover." Wrote it on the set list, and so right. Well, we got room on the set list because we're not playing. No thanks. (laughs) Right Brigade starts with the yeah, and so I do a fucking jump at the. Of the mm. snare hit, and then come down, and they've launched into "She's Calling You." Yeah. And I'm just stood up there like, "Oh hey. fuck no!" I throw the mic over my hey. head and just walk off stage. Is it, that's such, and like I said, back to the the Van Halen influence. I mean, "She's Calling You." How is much of the song do they play? Total Van Halen. They played the whole thing. Rob got up and started singing it. Oh Jesus! And this is when Rob wasn't in the band anymore. <laughs> it, I, yeah, I I back it. It's. I can't find any sleeper of it. There's, it's just great. I got a fucking tattooed on me. Like it's, it's just such a. I, I will say that there's nothing that sounds like this in the world with the oh, like yeah, it's wild. Like just to and think, just, just how like their sound, like their faces on the cover. Like it's just so dope. Like it's, it's the shit. I got a Grim Reaper tattoo. It's sick as fuck. It's cool too. What is that? No, just, if we're talking about our tattoos, <laughs> just looks hard, dude. It's a Grim Reaper. I have a Whitney Houston tattoo, and that's fucking sick. Um, Daniel, you want to go with your not number two, but your second one? Okay. Um, you got to pull up. I can go. Yeah, go for it. You haven't done one yet. <clears throat> well, oh, I, I, I did kill time. time. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna take it back to 1982. Discharge. Hear nothing. See nothing. Say nothing. I have that one too. Cool. And I don't, and I'm from the UK. I know. I did it as a shout out to your gente, and uh, <laughs> didn't happen. Um, hit it, Greg. All right. So, you know, you listen. You listen to Why, mm-hmm. which is the EP in 1981. Yeah, and this is 82. Yeah, and you know, you look at the cover art of like Why, and it's just, just like all the atrocity photos. Yes, and it's just, it's just definitely this sound coming out where it's just like, no, fuck a goddamn melody. You know, like we're not doing this shit. So it's like, it's definitely like a changing of the guard kind of moment. And then here, nothing comes out. 
And to this day, there's the track, The Possibility of Life's Destruction. Yes. Or it's just like... That sample? Like, it sounds like... And it like has, you're behind a, a fucking jet engine, like and it's a first. It's got to be one of the first punk with like a super grim sample that just makes you feel like yeah, like, like the world is ending. Fucking no goddamn hope, and just the the production values, like just the wall of like sound, it like surges. the guitars, it like surges. they all have like a pinch of just like this chorus <clears throat> on it, like the fucking bass tone, like it's just. An onslaught. Yeah. And just like, just talking, and just like the formula that that, that, that they're that they're doing. I mean, you could talk like, watch an old interview and like, Jello is saying like, oh yeah, we heard this shit and we're just like. Yeah. Well, there's like, a reason. This is most stripped down. Like, it, it's, I remember Tim was, Amenity Tim was saying like, people were freaking out because it was, it was almost like comical how like just repetitive but just like so powerful and it was the most like shit yeah. down raw yeah like that hardcore riff, that riff like, on the second song on the record was like the it's very like dude, oh my god it's like survive, perfect okay like, i wanted to get to that that has to be the first fucking mid-tempo pit rager, right? Yeah, just shit like, kicker. Like if you think about like all the bands that say, "All right, guys, let's get a circle pit going," like they never had to ask. Like that was a fucking a fuck. What do you? How do you rate tornadoes? That's like a, a category five tornado. Yeah, like and, I mean, you're this, hanging on. Dude. Yeah, I mean, and all this. It's this record and, you know, the bad brand. I mean, that's Age of Coral. Like, you, you fucking combine and then throw a pinch of Motorhead in there. This band, and you have this a album. lot of Motorhead. This yeah, band this obviously record. grew up through 76, 77 and hearing all that punk. Then they heard what was happening at the birth of hardcore in America. And then it came to them the next year. They've taken what they grew up being punk politically they take grown up in a Thatcher era and the working class people of that country were being fucked so much harder than they were in America, you know, um, just on a general, like across the country. And so it's filtered through that. Then, you know, yeah. What was the percentage of like how many people were on like among the dolls they would call it? Like it was that crazy. Yeah. It was. And industry was just shutting down left, right and center. Like, Thatcher was trying to privatize everything that was originally a government thing. So people had safe jobs and now she was trying to make it. So it's competition was coming in and shutting down, you know, the steel industry, the, the coal mines, you know, all of that stuff the that yard, happens throughout the eighties. Yeah. But on top of that, it's still a country that's hung up on world war two is still hugely. That's why the swastika on people's sleeves during the punk era was, the most shocking thing you could ever do because that was the biggest atrocity and horror that half the country went away and died to fight against. Right. So when punks were doing that, it was the biggest shock thing. So showing all the war stuff and all of that, it 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 had massive impact. And this band and this record, there's a reason this genre is called UK eighty <laughs> two. Like this, you know, DB also got like calling it DB because. You just want to sound like Discharge. Yeah. But UK82 is a genre unto itself, which there were other bands that came up around this. But, I mean, the flag bearer and the one that 
everyone thinks of as not falling off as hard as some of the others is discharge, you know? And talk about, I mean, this made, I mean, this crossed over into like metal dudes Mm -hmm. are like, like, holy shit. Like this thing is brutal. Like this is brutal. You know, like, 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 how do I even like, I thought I was playing some heavy shit. Like this tone of this record, the production of this record is insane. Napalm death would probably say discharge is like the biggest band they all had growing up, you know, as well as, Metallica would say yeah, that, well, you know. And like, just the fact that, you know, you have Metallica covering them and wearing their shirts, like, that's just the impact of this fucking band. I mean, that's why it's it's on the list. And I still, like, like, it will still scare a fucking normie if you put it on, you know? Like, if you're, like, like random-ass friend or someone comes in, you, like, put this record on, like, they're going to be like, like... But the production is still good. You it's can hear so everything. Crazy. Yeah. Like, so it's not like you're scaring someone off with like a shit sounding record. No, it's just the record like sounds great. Insane sound. Like you just get like it's an onslaught. It just it just sounds like it's all going to end. Like also, crazy. there are punk kids still to this day that <laughs> when they get their leather jacket, they stud it in a discharge exactly, like studs discharge, pattern. Yeah, yeah. It has to look just like that because but, it's the pinnacle. But it, I, I mean, it is. But I feel like. With with all with all your UK eighty two shit though, it's like discharge is the one that is still gonna I don't know, it still resonates more with like your average hardcore kid as as far as like I don't know, the exploited would. You know what I'm saying? I would I would say it's had a big resurgence because of, you know, the the right people doing records have been claiming discharge as a recent influence in the last ten 15 years whereas you know if you were gonna say around like the exploited kept going discharge became a mystery do you know what i mean and then would come back from time to time whereas exploited kept going and why eventually had a mohawk dread thing that you know can be poked fun at like if do you ever listen to the massacre yeah. You ever listen to that I was wondering your take on that because that's like dope. them going into like the kind of speed metal a dope. little bit. Yeah, I mean it's just them, I love like, that record. Yeah, it's so that shit is a ripper. Yeah, yeah. The massacre. Why? Why? Yeah, fucking awesome. I love it. Um, okay, Daniel, did you pull up one? Yeah, yeah. I will say, don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the street. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. For a long time, maybe my favorite hardcore album. And yeah. and I don't know if I just played it so much or or what, because it's like how I described uh, Age of Coral, that like you could fall in love with different parts of the album. I feel the same way about this Warzone record. Like sometimes I love the first half, sometimes I love the second half. Yeah. And it's like you can almost treat them like different records. Like the second half is it's a little... So maybe a little bit of a fall off, or maybe they go a little more out there on some of the songs. But like, there's, I don't know, there's something to sink your teeth into. I mean, let's just start. The bangers of the first half, though. Yeah, but and but don't forget the, the struggle song, song one on side two, right? Yeah, and yeah. 
through growing up the oi the oi melody yeah that is the the pre-chorus to the chorus do you know what i mean like oh i'll sing it for you right now yeah, i can sing the please whole thing. do okay <laughs> um but let's just start with the intro from the eco to... <laughs> okay intro is great we're the, the war zone women skit, like <laughs> how that song is so good i don't know why they didn't do vocals on it because it, it's the it's intro better us, for the, it? yeah it's it's See, I don't think that that's a... I think that that was... I don't know. I think it was a waste of a song. I think it should. they should have turned it into a song. It sounds it great. May have, they may have tried. And it was like, you know, this is not... You're, you're not... Dude, Raby, the way Raby sings is so crazy. He can, like, get down on anything. Yo, you... I saw there's a set... Um, oh, it's, I think it's them. It, it might be 88 or 89. And... I think it's like I think it's in Connecticut. And I think it's like a show that like like Ray Capo put on or whatever because you see all the youth of the day dudes like moshing in the mm-hmm. crowd, and so like they come out and I they just put that record out and like they play the intro and mm-hmm. like it's it, it makes sense why it's a fucking intro. Yeah, it, it totally People does when those. when you watch it in a live setting because it because Ray Ray ain't there yet, you know. So it's like. Each three dudes, like Crazy J Skin, like all these dudes with like the coolest accents, and they're like, yo, we're gonna start playing. Like, just like. But I think it's, it's like, wild to have a fast part in like an intro. Yeah, and I think the. Song? Okay, nowadays, like every intro that a band's right is just gonna be like all the pits, like slow pits, where I think like back then, like people loved the fast shit. Like people wanted the fast shit. So I think that's why it's in there. Yeah, but. No, it's, it's, it's so great. they can bring the the other part back. Yeah. Oh, too. when it jumps, and then some of the Fair coolest dive dive bombs like ever. Yeah, and mm-hmm. just the the skit like it's at the time hip hop is very skit heavy as well. And Ray, if you look at any of his pictures, he's just as influenced. Yeah, I mean, he's rocking Public Enemy stuff Styles. left, right, and center. Well, first first of all, like Warzone style could, could just be another podcast. Yeah. Like those dudes had fucking. Those dudes had some style, like steez. Like you just look at like what what those dudes are rocking, like get gear wise. wise like, I mean, people have remade that hat, yeah. the get wise hat. Absolutely. Did you know what I mean? It's sick. Yeah, and, and yeah, Super that's 7, good advice. Super Seven needs to just make a array figure, figure. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. Um, my entry point to this was the um, CD that was on another planet, like in the with both mid- with yeah. the open yeah. eyes. Yeah, exactly, and and. It was just a vast difference of the don't forget the struggle songs were just so much more um correct. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if I think of the atypical New York hardcore sound, obviously Angel Quarrel, obviously Fix Em in Pain, those are you know, but when I actually think of the sound the way that New York hardcore was commenting on New York hardcore, like this is the record, this is the sound is perfected. His vocals, he, he may not be the strongest, but he it's style. Like, the style that he so delivers things. And well, it's, it's also one of those albums where, like, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that I've probably heard every track on it covered by a band at a show just across the planet. Pretty, pretty fucking sure. Because it's just one of those, like... Even fighting for your country. But that, but that maybe song, maybe in in Richmond or Virginia Beach, I might have heard that one there. So, 
there was, you know, I got into the CD and then, you know, you start, I had already been aware of what the artwork looked like, but it was one of those things that same thing as AF, like skinheads championed this band and they were the fucking dicks of the scene. And it kept me away a little bit longer than I should have. But fuck, once I, once I actually got this on vinyl, like finally got first press and just fuck. You're on fist, huh? Uh, no. What, What's the first press? The first of Caroline. Not the, not the, oh, yeah. I had it and sold it. Yeah. And I sold my Caroline one too. I had two. Didn't I sell one to you? No. Oh, I sold one to someone. I don't know. I got it again now. Yes. Yeah. But I think I bought a nice boot. It was super cheap, and then Rev repressed it. Yeah, yeah, I they did hate that, what like, they did. Yeah, it's like, well, they, well, it's because they couldn't get the rights to the original one. That well, is, was different. No, that's what Colin told me. That's weird. That, that, I so they had to do that, like embossed, like in gloss, like kind of. Yeah, that's scratched. They up weren't it. able to get like the original, like the rights for it. Well, it looks, and you know what's it looks crazy? better than the victim so, in pain. Yeah, yeah well, at, at least re- they were able to like. <laughs> When the repress came out, I bought the bundle on Rev. Uh-huh. I got the hoodie of the Sick. the thing, and then I just I'm like, you know, Yo, you know, twenty eighteen, you know, wear a white hoodie um, with a an, an iron cross and American flag, exactly, with a bald head, San Francisco yeah. dude. I, <laughs> yeah, I wore that's, it that's one gonna day. like go over well. Shit, I I bought, <laughs> I bought Timeless, the coffee shop up in Oakland that RJ from Rely Rely shout out. <laughs> Let's talk does. about. We can talk rely. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I got a great point. We can talk about because we're gonna powerhouse your brains. That's out right. Soon, right. In the nineties. But I was wearing a uniform choice straight and alert mm-hmm. uh, hoodie at, and I, I was just being mad dogged by this lesbian couple across the thing from. Oh my god! Uh, from uh, at the at the brunch at Timeless, and I I, I said to Alana the the. Uh, barista there she was like holy shit I never even would have thought of it in that context so both the Warzone and the UC hoodies are both in the back of the closet for now <laughs> dude when when my first band recorded this band called It Doesn't Matter um, I was like 15 or 16 it's me and Todd's band and, and I had this lyric it was actually about like the vice principal of our high school or something like he gave me detention or some shit or some bull- <laughs> I think it was over having like this giant chain wall with a giant like I had like this lock on the end of it. They like it could have killed, killed anyone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I write this song, and uh, one of the lyrics on it says, "I wish you were a horse so I could beat you when you're dead." Just like st- stupid, right? And there was this girl there, like at the studio, and when I sang that line, like she like berated me for like animal abuse. And I was like, no, it's He's a like, never heard that it's a phrase like, like you know beat beating a dead, a dead horse. horse. She's yeah. like, I never heard of that. And then she was just like mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> I was I, like, what? <laughs> it was like, dude, uh, there's some comedian that talks about it. He's like, how many like fist fights are avoided now that like there's internet on your phone? Because like that chick could have like kicked the shit out of me, you know, like yeah. fuck you for like talking about beating horses, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's a phrase. It's a phrase. Fuck you. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's like with any of these types of, you know, imagery and artwork, it's like, well, welcome to like what any skinhead will have to the face just walking down the fucking street. But it's like, Hey, if that's, if that's what you're going to do, like you got to be prepared to roll with that, you know? So, so is this on either of your lists? No. Crazy. It's, huh? it's, it's that's not, wild. 
I know. Because yeah, well, I, I love, love this album. You know, the, the 80s and 90s are hard because, yeah, yeah. dude, we love hardcore music, yeah, right? This, I fucking love hardcore music. And so, like... Just think of yeah, that little dude, bass walk that happens in the intro, was, though, that dude, okay, I can't ever sing a tune we were, right, so we, I won't. We were, talking <laughs> about, we were talking about maybe doing one on, like, underrated records. Yeah. And, dude, I was listening to the Florida Powerhouse yesterday, and I love that record so much. And, like, no one has heard it. It's the closest sounding to Side by Side there is. And, like, those songs are so catchy and well thought out for, like, kind of playing you through hardcore. And the lyrics are good. And it's just like, man, there is so much stuff that's, like, lost to, to history. Anyway. It, yeah, there is. Sorry. The Warzone didn't make it. And I, I love, love, love this record. I mean, I wish we could do a top 50, but. Yeah, but if you're trying to pick five hardcore LPs of the 1980s. I mean, that's just that's just so fucking hard. I mean, I don't even know how some of these made my top. I mean, I guess I had to go through like influence like just the sheer like influence it had on but on the genre. For, for me and, 2003 to 2012 like hardcore pretty much wouldn't exist without I mean, it would exist obviously, but a lot of bands channeled Warzone. Oh, absolutely. You know. 100%. Like, almost all the bands channeled Warzone. I love the split with Cause for Alarm. Those Warzone songs are probably my favorite Warzone songs. More you know? than this? No, it's close, but all four of the songs, including Skinhead Warrior Girl, are fucking sick. Starting out with Bullshit Authority. Bullshit Authority. Oh, yeah. da, 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 da. And then, uh, what's, I think that, I think then that, his Straight Edge song? Yep. Fucking and the superior version than the LP. Um, that, well, what the fuck is that song called? I think this record came out at the time that you were loving and defining yourself oh, as a hardcore oh. kid so much more than because if you perseverance, if you just deep inside me, a version that's meant to be fire burning in our soul, drug free. My life's go. What song is that? It's on the split. I, I. It's You're Warzone. asking me song titles? I can't even tell you song titles of my own band. Dude, that's Warzone doing a strange song. That should be your favorite song. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you empirically... Free at last. Free at last. <laughs> Free at last. PCP. <laughs> <laughs> if you empirically looked at this record next to anything else they did, this is the winner. Of course. Yeah. Definitely. That's why it's so crazy, though, that they come back with like these four songs on one side of a 10-inch, like tw- 10 Victory, years later, yeah. 10, 12 years later. And it's like fucking ridiculous. It's so good. You, you should you should listen to the songs, both of you guys. Like today, it's that good. It's that good. Like yeah. we can pause it right now and listen to it. <laughs> I just heard your rendition. It, it has me hooked. Yeah, I, but it's <laughs> literally like, rabies singing a straight edge song. I don't know. It's like it's so sick. I know. It, it's you like, have hexed up uh, gloves on, on my list. It's like, look, like I don't have any youth of today shit on my list. Like I don't have sure. war zone shit on my list. Hold like, my. I don't, Non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, I don't have any of these on my list because to me these are so like established standards, and it's like I mean you might as well put all these in a fucking hall of fame, like in in my opinion. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. and I I can understand why I didn't make yours because it's like like you said we all love hardcore and like it's hard like you, some like, of us more than damn. others. Damn, so it's hard to like like <laughs> data who are, mine. Who are you ranking? Okay, you, you, me, and Greg. Who likes hardcore the most? Greg. 
It's hard then, to sorry. like I said. <laughs> it's, it's fucking really goddamn hard to pick like five. And for some reason, I, I don't even know how I came up with my list. I guess it's just like what I continue to always listen to and what I can always put on and not get tired of it. And it's just like, well, don't forget the struggle. It's like you hear it for the first time, you play it and play it and play it till you never have to play it ever again because it's just like in your brain. But like the, you can, I can play the record in my brain. When, I can play the youth of like any youth of the day record in my brain. That's you know why I think it's really interesting that we do these things because you guys are wired differently to where True. okay, I've played that record so much that I don't have to listen to it again. I'm the person that has. 15 records that I want to hear for the rest of my life and then I can do without the rest. Which, yeah. <laughs> Which makes that's sense. where I'm Because at. it's almost like you, you discover an album, right? And it's just like time and place for you and it's just like what you're listening to for like four months straight, right? And so where it's like you just don't have to listen to it because it's just like like I can play in my head or it's like, oh, if someone comes on, it like transports you right back into that. Well, I had two copies of it and I, I have no idea why I saw, well, obviously I needed the money at some point, but like... My collection felt naked without it. I had to get it again. It's like, I don't know. It just feels weird to have like a record collection yeah, without yeah. that album in it. Yeah, I have to have it. Everyone has it, right? Yeah. Okay. I actually don't. We got to get you one. No. I got to track down that bootleg I bought. It's perfect. Uh, you want me to go? Or just get the red one. <laughs> yeah. And with just, the, with the hoodie as the bundle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> who's, uh, who's up next? You are. Um, so this is going to be like, you know, some people might not, uh, this could be like a, yeah, duh. DRI thrash. No, uh, four on the floor. No, suicidal tendencies, self-titled first record. Oh, great. So, I mean, another one that, like, I don't know. I feel dumb not having it Hall of Fame. Okay, so, so, I I would. So, okay, so here's, here's why. And it's funny because I think it gets kind of like overlooked, not overlooked, but I don't think it gets taken seriously because it's like, Oh, it's just this, like, oh, he really wanted that Pepsi kind of shit, but... No. Okay, and, because here's another thing. So I'm looking at, like, everything for, like, every, like, SoCal hardcore release or, like, SoCal punk stuff, right? And I feel like this record really captures, like, the true, true Southern California subculture shit. Because if you listen to, like whatever, like Adolescence, TSOL, like all these bands, right? Like you have like, it's definitely more like like suburban, like white kid stuff, right? A little bit of silliness. A little bit of silliness. We're all scientists in a lab. Where where suicidal, it's got like all of SoCal subculture in this fucking record. So we have like, we have like skate, we have surf. We gang have shit. like gang shit. We have graffiti. We have like, you know, Mexicans. We have like, it's 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 got like all of it. Mm-hmm. I think all in one like package. And I mean, dude, like 
suicidal failure when you fucking put that record on i remember the first time hearing it which is like don't go he's like yeah mm-hmm. like it sounds like <laughs> fucking insane like it's immediately like if you're like your parents are like what are you listening to you go like uh suicidal tendencies like first of all that fucking name right so immediately your parents are gonna be like or anyone's gonna be like oh my god like that fucking name right and then if you hear the opening track where it's just like that and i'll do it again yeah like (laughs) and he's just like like, brainwash brainwash like and then it kicks in it's just like sick of life it sucks and it's like ah and then all right so it's ripping fucking hardcore ripping all right and you it has like almost this like socal like surf twang to the guitars and then this is pre crossover era shit we have solos on it which is kind of crazy because this is i think well this record's 83 and so we have like shredding but it's 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 like punk shredding but it's really good. It's Grant Estes, I think. I probably said his last name wrong, but just all the all the hits are on it. Like, yeah, again, it gets cut up. It's like when I was talking about the UC album, um, and actually the Chromex album too. Like the two slow songs. I sometimes I wish they weren't on there, and I know that's sacrilegious, but you no, know, I, yeah, because because like this album without like I can't ever listen to institutionalized again in my life or i saw your mommy like yeah. both those songs like do i just think, don't want to hear them ever do you again think i saw I your mommy that. they sued l7 for pretend we're dead it's l7 pretend we're dead i, I don't mean know. i thought it was the puddle of mud she hates she hates me <laughs> i know that song well uh no l7 pretend we're dead listen to that yeah it's the riff it, it's the same fuzz on the guitar everything it's wild. I I just think it's it's in my top five because of such it's such like I think it's a whole like genre defining thing. I love. I, I, I want more. Yeah. I love. That oh, song. absolutely. And then I think just for them to succeed because I mean, hold on, wait one sec. No, this is, oh yeah, this is great radio. Yeah. This is what I. This is what we I get for fucking putting DRI production. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh yeah! Totally. Wow. wow! 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 Okay, come on. Okay. <laughs> no, you don't want to. Uh, you yeah. gotta be sued. <laughs> Dude, because they were <laughs> now this can't be on iTunes. Yeah. No, but then we'll sue them on behalf shit. of suicidal. Well, because yeah. they were they were fucking hated by like a lot of fucking people. My moms everywhere. So they were just they were also hated in the punk scene for the crowd they brought yeah. to the shows that fucking kicked off with everyone and hurt people. Absolutely, but I I don't know. I just think like still that thing it gives me chills because I hadn't listened to it for a long time and. I was trying to put together his list and I was, once again, you do personal preferences and I try to find like a genre defining record or or something that like creates a fucking bomb. This is that. Just the fact that like they were getting MTV play is crazy. It's a, it's a crazy record. I'm really glad it got on here. Yeah. And And all the skate videos. Yeah. And I I think it's because people, it's, it can be written off easy because everyone's like, Oh, I don't ever need to hear Institute, which I totally get. But it's like, 
if you revisit it now. No, but that's just why it's hard. Like I don't, I don't put on the vinyl. For sure. And and that's basically how I don't know. When I'm driving now, I listen to podcasts, and when I'm at home, I listen to records. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get up in the middle to like skip the the needle. He's like. Dude, I shot the devil. Like, fuck I yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, yeah. I know. So that's I know. why it's there. I know. It that's is, why it's fucking there. That still gets you if you see him. Yeah. When he says that shit, and it's and, like, yeah. Yeah, and like just his like <laughs> his his voice. <laughs> like just his voice. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. All right, let's talk about great singing. Yeah, but but he, I mean, he has to be. He can be Hall of Fame for this. You know, I wouldn't put it there, but you can make an argument. But he should also be castigated to the Hall of Shame for infectious grooves. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Hey, that, I didn't yeah, there's, a, there's a. You need to check out the the infectious. <laughs> no, you got to check out. You got to check out twenty five spits. There's an infectious grooves track called Therapy, which was which Ozzy does the the horse. It's like therapy. It's, it's hard. It's fucking so, hard, dude. It is what's his name from Metallica? Crab walking all over the place yeah, while playing it. In the band. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, more, <laughs> more, more great scene. Um, I'm going verbal assault trial, 1987. Some um, anger, but that that's for putting forward top five eighties hardcore records. I mean, it's a banger, but that is the equivalent of doing kind of a deep cut for that. How's that a deep cut? Because it sounds like nothing else, and it's some of my favorite music in the no, world. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like the longevity of it, yeah, makes like, it a deep cut. I'm yeah. not saying that that it is not right. Yeah, I'm just I, saying. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like. Hipster's choice. <laughs> you think it's a hipster's choice? Not necessarily like that, but I'm saying the amount of people's list that it would be on would be just people who are very much that have spent some time with that record. Is what I'm saying. Well, yeah, I spent you know time I mean? with it. It's one of my favorite records. Yeah, th- I've listened to it a million times, and it never gets old. It's not a diss. Okay, I'm not taking it as a diss. I'm like, just for instance, it, I've, I've a, listened. I've listened to "Don't interest. Forget the Struggle," "Don't Forget the Streets" a million times, and I've listened to this a million times. And you and still put this on, but you I don't still want to listen to this. And don't forget the struggle. I, I, I'm always blown away by, you know how great it is. But I, I don't, I don't really have the desire to listen to side B. This is like solid the whole way through. It's probably my favorite album to like drive to, you know, and like nice open traffic when I can speed. And it's got like the nice like da 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 da. I don't know. Tempo-wise, it's all over the place. The guitar is shredding. The singing is fucking perfect. Where the guy is just like pushing it, like kind of how we were talking about uh, Gorilla Biscuits. He's like, he's going for it, dude. And like, lyrically, like, you are scared. Like, love it. Piano shit is fucking sick. Next level. Um, And that's it. I love this record. It's top five for sure for me. And uh, you should, and that's all. 
Now you can apologize for shitting all over one of my favorite records ever, Daniel. The funny thing is that I absolutely <laughs> didn't shit all over it. This is so this, that's how that's how personal this record is to you. I got that it. you instantly got offended. This is going to be like I swear to God when when Greg tackles doing a band of this style, it's going to be amazing, and you're going to come around to it eventually. I have, a, I mean, when we're doing like deep cut hipster choices, like my last one is like mad deep cut fucking hipster. <laughs> Well, Daniel will be. Go for it. Hopefully, Daniel shits on your head as well. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> yes. Why? I don't. I like verbal I like it. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. In the pantheon of everyone putting together the lists, I'm just saying this is a little bit of a left field choice, which is great. That's the great thing about doing this, and you're in the corner with your head in your hands, rocking back and forth, going, "Hey, talk shit on verbal assault." Well, wait till the nineties, bro. Wait till oh. I mean, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go for one that is not a hipster choice. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not a hipster choice. Verbal assault is not a hipster choice. But I'm going to go for one that is, I think, the pinnacle of a genre. Like the cherry on top of a perfected genre that we're not in this alone. Y.O.T. Perfect. I mean, I think it's truly the pinnacle of the youth crew sound that, you know, we discussed earlier that they were trying to sound like AF on Break Down the Walls. And mm-hmm. I mean, nothing sounds like his vocals on Break Down the Walls. It sounds like you've trapped a, a mountain lion in a cage you're and going, you're sticking it with But the you're stick. going, we're not in this alone, not yes. Break Down the Walls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm saying the the evolution of, okay, I can, I've got the aggression, I've got the row, row, but you can hear all the words... Um, the crew shot in the back too. Oh my god! And the front, like the the holding of the. Yeah. I mean, how many people have held their hand in that way just to take a photo? I have. Um, the one thing that's strange for me is just one X hand, though. That that's always puzzled me. <laughs> but I mean, truly, well, if remember, they, like, it used to be cool to have like one earring. Yeah. Well, one X was what they would do, technically, where they started the X being the symbol for straight edge was because one X one hand would be X when you would go into a 20, 21 and up place as an underage person, you know, but you should only get one X for your first 10 years or no, until you pass drug free adult. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then, <laughs> and then you have to go in front of Daniel and, and mm-hmm. have him decide if you get your second X. I will be the judge. Put up your judge. qualifications. <laughs> um, the vocals on this, I mean, they're so aggressive, yet they're so controlled. They're so tuneful. And you can tell he's bouncing off the wall of the studios while recording them. Like, there's a live element to them. It's There's so much, like, power packed behind. It's weird because it sounds, like, even more... Powerful and aggressive than Break Down the Walls. Yeah, and 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 how do you how do you we're talking about how, intros? How do you get both those? How do you get both of those? Yeah, like is more powerful and more aggressive. Like you think that you'd lose a little bit of like yeah well, the aggressiveness it, by if, like cranking up the power. Yeah, if you're legible or you know it's audible to hear the words, you would think 
Oh my god! Hey, am but, I tripping? Or are there different mixes? There are different okay. mixes. Yeah, so that was like which press of Caroline do you have, man? Yeah, which that confused me when I like first was yeah. listening to some of these records. Is I was like, I heard we'd be hearing two different mixes. The remix I, is definitely better. Yeah, obviously, you know uh, that's why they so what stuck is the, with it. And so like the the remix is better. Yeah, and so there's actually three mixes because he he uh, for the rev. When it went to Rev, he polished it even more, a little bit. And that's the current one that's you That's the one that, you, like, if you listen to it on Spotify or whatever, or buy it as a LP from Rev now, that's what you're going to hear. Um, I... The one... The one thing I... I think re- I sold my Caroline one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out my list right now. <laughs> the one thing that... When we talk about, like, just different, like, one things that matter so much to you about a record... That somebody else may just, oh, that's just a throwaway song, or that's just a part on something. The song Live Free, which is... I, almost, I want to live fucking free. I almost think it's directed to the the war zone, like, don't forget the struggle, like, and the American Pride, American Skinhead movement that was all over NYHC. It's kind of like, yo, we can protest and still be here, you know, love it or leave it. Like, why don't we just try and stick stay and try and make it better. But the one thing I love is the fast mosh bar. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Like, it's so fucking ill. That part, I, whenever I play it on my record player, I, when that song plays, I go back and I keep dropping the needle just to hear that song. And to a lot of people, that's not the banger on the record at all. You know, also, you know, they broke up just for a, a mini Yot broke up and then came back for this after Ray had been in India like Zach. At least, at least his girlfriend didn't leave him the day he got home from India. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was watching no TV. He was just what were they doing? What was this whole spiel? Oh, the no around TV, the shrine. Yeah, shrine. no yeah. TV around the shrine. shrine. But that. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Again. I just got goosebumps just talking yeah. about it, and that, and, yeah. and, and then, then the end slow down. This record a thousand times, and then the end of slow down, which is like that break when like the guitars cut out, and it's just the bass and the drums going. Well, That's one of the greatest hardcore things there is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I'm talking on the break when it yeah. cuts out. It's like, well, this is what Youth Crew is. You know, they're called Youth Crew because it's this. It's this band sure. is the genre, you know? So keep it up. We're yeah. a song on the record and they put it last. And I like that, <laughs> but no more. The, the ambiance at the beginning, like, yes, you kind yeah. of have to listen a little bit. Yeah. Like, cause yeah. The, the production, you're like, what's going on? Hey, you know? his, his vocal flow on that track too is yeah. just so fucking crazy well and, and the backups they gave the, the kids singing backups not just three who 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 it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know like no. a sentence yeah. yeah you know and then the breakdown on that because there's times that agitate yeah. the friends the, the family uh, the family and we'll have a more conscious caring society like they have the kids sing that yeah. part as a backup like as Some they mouthful sing it. words. Do you know what I mean? It's a fucking great song. And the video we were talking about <laughs> taking, throwing the cheeseburger, the best, the hand on the shoulder, yeah, and the like, shake don't of the do head. That, man. <laughs> what is this a better vegetarian song or is Cats and Dogs? I think Cats and Dogs is 
arguably better, but I like this better because it has a little bit of com- unintentional comedic value. But also, I think no more... It's a mission statement. I think Earth Crisis wouldn't exist without no more. <laughs> like, the, straight up. The lyrics on this chorus is the, the greatest vegetarian shoot there is. No more, looking out for myself. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. brilliant. And but the angle that GB took on it is a smart angle that people can, like, can understand. Yeah. Why, yeah, like, why, why is this better? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I, I think, you know... Just the imagery of the merch and stuff around this too, like all those classic youth crew t-shirts and obviously the classic look that everyone's gone from fanzine picture to record cover to recreate just, I mean, it's ill. I I still want to look exactly like this, but I'm fat. (laughs) (laughs) So no more. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta walk a little more. (laughs) No more. No more taking the Bart, fool. No, the, yo, the <laughs> be- take your bike. No, the best shit ever is like the 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 youth crew do with the athletic gear that is not an athlete. That's still one of the best styles ever. So. I love it. No, that's six style. Um, how many more do you have? I have one more. Great. One more. I have one more and a... I can't wait to hear this out out there one. I want to hear the crew. All right, it is... I got two more, though. It is Circle One Patterns of Force. I don't want to fight for Rexon. I don't want to be a public on a string. See the blood flowing like oil wells. While the rich man makes money off of me. Like Brex and Lucia, they're the gimmick bullet for Sucky Shuck and Mission True. Like Brex and Lucia, they're the gimmick bullet for Sucky Shuck and Mission True. Great. So I don't even know it. Yeah. So this is one <laughs> to be to be truthful. Yeah. So this is. But yeah. But if you're going to Fenders in '82, you would learn it and have that dude keep you safe. So, first of all, this is a fucking wild sounding LP. Is this Big Frank's band? Uh, no, John, John Macias. Oh, okay. So this is. I think it's such a hidden. It's such a forgotten gem, and it's completely like overshadowed by everything. What's it overshadowed by? What do you mean? I feel like every other SoCal release at that time, Patterns of Force. Like, I mean, I mean, who's talking about? Is it still in print? I want. I have like a weird reissue. How do you have it? Do you have I, it on? I, I have a re of a twelve inch. Like, I'm okay. trying to. I'm trying. I'm blanking on who. Oh, I have two left. It. I'm sorry. Okay. But this is such a crazy sounding album. I mean, like, dude, they were a tight, tight band. Planes, fucking super good. Really adventurous sounding, mm-hmm. and then just the whole like their logo with like the circle with the guns, yeah. And, like, iconic. Cir- first of all, the name Circle One, yeah, and then they have this whole like religious vibe, like they were called the family, yeah. So they're well, like these, their, like, their gang, they're re- they're like ass beater punks on some like weird, like Christian. Christianity thing, but probably not being very Christ-like at all. But more on this, like, no, like, we are loved. Like, it's okay that you're weird. Like, you you are a lost child. Come with us kind of vibe. So it's got this, like, really, really, like, out there fringe society element to it. And it's just, like, ripping fast, like, SoCal hardcore punk. Like, that song, Destroy Exxon, mm-hmm. where it's just, like, he's just talking about, like, like, see the blood flowing from oil wells while the rich man makes money off of me. And then his vocal delivery, like he doesn't yell. Like he's always like doing a melody. 
He's like, but it's so fucking aggressive. And there's a track called Beware where it's just like Coco. There's just talking about like, we live for him. So we don't care. Like, you know, judging us by the spot of our hair, like style of our hair. So such like a wild band. And then he ended up dying because he was like schizophrenic. He's actually like shot by the police because I think he was like on the pier, like on like I think it was some pier like in Huntington. Like, yeah, and he was just like I saw that documentary falling down about that. <laughs> this another What's secret. this? <laughs> motherfucker, so, give me your motherfucking briefcase. So that's why So that album was on Upstart, which yeah. is crazy because that's what the stall is on. Yeah. Also. And it makes sense because it's still like like I, I don't know and because I was debating like Stalag too for for that spot, but I just something about how the it's very hipster e of of to have this choice, but it's such such like a weird forgotten and like kind of like mysterious thing. I think it like really deserves to be talked about, and I think I want more people to listen to the record because it's such like such a trip. There's like we it's, it's like sometimes like weird psychedelic vibes on it, so it's weird like manson family kind of style shit and i feel like it's his fringe and like totally like fuck society but like we have found each other kind of vibe which is as hard that's as, that's as hardcore as you're gonna get so. puke and vomit did a repress in 2010 that's the one i have, I have it's a still a the cheapest one on discogs is 40 bucks yeah i have the puke and vomit they thing. need to do another press yeah it's it's fucking it's super good <laughs> do you have all the other records by puke and vomit <laughs> They do a lot of good represses. Like I'm trying to think about what they just did that I bought. It's just such a funny like. It's, hey, Jim here from Puke and Vomit. <laughs> right now. Well, they're they're uh, they're like affiliated with that store Radiation out in uh, yeah. Anaheim. Yeah, like that super punk store. And they do good. They do good represses, man. And uh, my last in it, I would I would Hall of Fame this one. For me, I would personally Hall of Fame this one, and it would be like an honorable mention, I guess. For other people, but uh, Infest Slave LP. talk about another like genre defining i think that can absolutely be hall of famed it doesn't speak to me on a personal level like i've never been that like infest dude or any of those you know what that was on my fucking influenced by it just the opening it should be hall of fame just the opening track break the chain yeah which there's like there might be like i think it's like 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 a fucking 30 second song and there's like a ridiculous amount of tempo changes mm. and it's not done in some like oh hey like we're like math jazz guys like we're gonna like drop tempo it's just like oh, i got this fast part and we're gonna do this we do that and like there's so many just like crushing jams on this no this should be hall of fame it should be hall of fame do you think infest is loved as much across the country as it is in california 
Well, I don't have that perspective. No, uh, just, I'm just, just saying recently, that's traveling. You know? Just recently, when they they've done their reunions, and I mean any show that they play, whether it be like Philly, Texas, uh, you know anywhere that they're getting flown out to, I mean the reactions are fucking insane. Wild, right? Are yeah. wild because they're such like they were a mystery band for a lot. They of were people. a mystery not, band, not to California because. <laughs> Those dudes would still yeah, come around to shows. I just think it's such a, a genre-defining band and just creating a blueprint that, you know, uh, every kid can fall. And it's also one of those bands, too, that, like, even even a kid that's just like, oh, I only listen to, like, moshy, like, moshy kind of, like, metalcore stuff. No, like, you you could show them parts at, like, infesting. They're like, yo, this shit's fucking it. Like, yeah. This is sick. Arguably, this could, you know... We just we've discussed discharge. This I think uh, like, I think uh, you gotta hit the hit the horns. Yeah, yeah. Chuck I, this I into the Hall of Fame, this baby for sure. <laughs> and that's it. I'm tapped out. All right. Well, I got two left. I I got the Stolly thirteen. That you you considered? Um, does this one have Bailey we, on it? Can we talk? Can we talk about? <laughs> Unfortunately, it does not have Bailey. Can um, we talk about the lag, please? Okay, here's what I think about this. I will um, say the artwork is untouchable. The artwork is beautiful. It's sick going for like yellow. That's kind of like an interesting twist. Um, for it being so old, like '84, and like it's them trying to sound like Minor Threat. It's, I mean, it's one hundred percent them trying to sound like Minor Threat, but then like the, the dude Ron hits it with like the singy voice, and it's so dude, clean sounding. Black and, like, and gray. Well, that's what I was gonna it's say is like a- like how we talk about Uniform Choice doing Once I Cry, Stolly Thirteen doing Black and Gray, and it just being like so heartfelt and like musically is beautiful, and it's like it's a rager, but it's like melodic, exactly. and it's like it's like kind of everything. Um, Which is so hard to do to make like an absolute rager track where it's like dudes are probably like slamming, like taking people's heads off, but they're like crying at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's like the guy that like gets in a fight and then like he's crying because he's so emotionally overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, It's the one when they break up with the girlfriend, they put it on a mixtape. Like, there you go. No, this this is like, it's, 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 it's so also this song, like we've talked about, like, bands where it's a time and a place also like district nine only exists in early nineties, New York city. Right. Um, and it's because so many different elements come together and, and let you create an album that wild. This Stalag, like, you know, why didn't they go on mystic? Why did they end up having an album that sounds like so bright and clean and good? Um, also like this song, like they re-recorded this song. They re-recorded it like, it's kind of like they're face to face disconnected. It's on every single record, <laughs> you know, because they know it's a classic. But it's like it never sounds like this '84 version where it's like there's so much like soul in it. Um, it's crazy. And then also like they they're going for the minor threat sound, but they have like like what are you looking for? That has like it kind of like darker notes. 
right? It's like, it's like just his melodies. Those are like it's a darker melody, but it's still melodic, you know. And so there's there's just a little bit of boundary pushing, and you know, Blake Cruz is probably like 15 or 16 writing riffs, and and you have Dave Casillas, who's like a certified shredder at that point. Yeah, and just the production on that record, uh, and just also too like, and I still get chills hearing it when "No Excuse" comes on. It's just like boom, 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 boom. Like I can't think of like anything more fucking Southern California sounding. Well, like, dude, that, like. I got a treat for Have you. Have you ever heard "Bro Him"? <laughs> I got, I got a treat for you. Stalag Thirteen did a metal demo. In like '86, and they do a metal version of that song. Ooh, that's fucking like, it's like yeah, that's like right up my fucking. Oh, it's it's <laughs> not. It's like, not though. No, no I don't that. know. I don't know. I might like it. They have a ten-minute song on that demo, so I don't know what. Right the ancient Mariners. Is, like, is, like, yeah, is it like when <laughs> wasted? It's like Iron Maiden, not Stolly trying to play metal. Is it like when uh, <laughs> when wasted youth did Black Days? And I can't. Just crazy? I can't describe it. Yeah. Like it's like I don't know. It's weird. I think what it is is it's like kind of some of the demos that ended up going with Larry to do part of the third Doctor No album, maybe. Yeah. Um, but man, Kyle must have. Uh, Chopped him up a bit. Um, is everyone else tapped out? You no, I have two out. left. Oh, you have two. Go ahead. So I'll do one, and then you go for your last, and then I'll. My last one is like the perfect leaving point of the eighties, really. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> the, 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 the second for, circle one record. <laughs> um, the crew seven seconds. I'm so glad this got on there because I, I felt guilty not having it. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's a great record. Yeah, I, I listened to it all the time in high school. Yeah, it. There's also you know you can say that it is a high school kind of it appeals to your high school sensibilities. Hey, it's but it, okay, well, it's but it's still. I mean, I I listened to it in the formation of this list, and I'm just like. Basically, the way I look at Seven Seconds is, you know, Kevin Seconds was writing letters to Ian MacKay. Like, this band is, let me take some Minor Threat, let me take some Bad Brains, let me take some Misfits, and mix it all up with a really positive slant. I want to be, not preaching, but I want to be espousing, like, absolute positive stuff within the scene because there's a lot of, you know, negativity. And it's perfect. I mean, it takes that Misfits, you know, it's not quite as tuneful as the Misfits, but it, it attempts to do that, which then, because this is California and Reno, Skino stuff, but it starts to become like a Southern California trope, you know, within hardcore is this kind of the O's and woes. But I religion. think one of the things that I think is so inter- interesting about this album is like, where Young Till I Die is like sequenced in. I it's know. like they didn't even like know it was. They never be, heard of iTunes. <laughs> they, they never knew that it was going to be like the 
the fucking juggernaut hit that it would be. It's just like, it's literally just chucked in there like, oh, it's a song. But you think you'd put it on like the one spot or the three spot or the yeah. four spot or, you know, but, first song of side B. But you know what? Straight up front is not just boys fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, track three, I think. Well, I, I prefer the good, clean, fun version. <laughs> but the, I mean, just think of, of that at this time period, not just boys fun. Like, well, the, yeah. how about the, the one about, uh, on the second album? I like that one even more. The pro girl song, open your eyes. Cause it's time. We'll say time. We're all treated equally. Well, I think the not just boys fun though. It, it's so basic that it really gets across to all the meatheads that are being dicks at shows. And it's like, this is not just boys. And it made girls so proud to go up front and sing along. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just think it's such a important statement. But if Good Clean Fun liked it, could it really be that good? <laughs> I love watching those old flip side videos, like those video comps. And you can see them playing, and they're they're playing like you know Olympic Auditorium or like yeah, one of those yeah. places. So like they're playing to like just the most insane crowd, and like Kevin's up there, and he's just like they're about to do like Definite Choice. He's like, look, I'm not preaching straight edge. I'm I'm just saying that like there's other ways of, of like doing things. So it's like he's like trying to address this crowd, like not in a preaching manner, like. You know, because it's still in this era where there's like no rules, dude, kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, Who are you to tell me? Yeah, to live? but he's just like, yeah, and then oh, or just like the fact that like in that same thing, he's just like, like all right, but what I'm not standing against is it's like there's no racism here. It's like we got to be tight as fuck, and they bump it like just hit in the anti clan, and like yeah. it's one of those bands that like another thing where it's like you can be melodic but still super fast and like. That's what that's why I was saying it's the misfits bad brains yeah. minus threat like blender. And, and this is why like like for me and like I love the crew but like for me like screaming for change just just tops it a little bit better so that's why I like didn't really include the well, crew. Well there would be it. no screaming for change without this record, yeah, absolutely. right? Yeah. What year is this? 84 or 83. Uh I didn't I didn't do my yeah because they're definitely due diligence. You didn't put all your years next year. Well, because they're no. both like I mean they were both active right around the same time. So, yeah, you know. I I, mean, I like the second one more. Clinch face, like black eyes. I like Walk the Other more. That was good. I mean that was just a. It sounds a, so bright. Just a sliver away from being this choice, but this choice just came first, which is such a statement. There's a statement behind this band, so that's why. I choose the crew over. The red color together. is better. The crew looks better. Yes, but I like the secondary work together, rock together with the with the illustration, not the oh. pusshead. Uh, you know, yeah. it's weird to know that that's a pusshead record cover with them looking like a new wave like yeah. clown band. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't like either of those covers. I, I, like, I just like the crew. I like the cover of the crew. Yeah, no, yeah I prefer blue lettering. No, it's it's. It just pops. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think they're an absolutely important band. And there's a reason that all the way up to maybe like all through the 2000s, we were driving to LA to still see Seven Seconds and go up front and sing along. And one time at Chain Reaction, <laughs> we were all up front singing along and Rob got jumped on by a stage diver <laughs> mm-hmm. that had obviously shit his pants. 
oh. and landed right on Bob's head. <laughs> yeah, it was like me earlier during a verbal assault. <laughs> All right, what's your next? Uh, what do you think it is? Still repeat, what happens yeah, of next? Of course, I knew it was, but... The greatest uh, LP ever. I thought you liked the band What Happens Next more than you liked Ill Repute. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, I mean, it starts off with Oxnard. Get out of here. And then the second song, What Happens Next, is like so fast and crazy. And it's like you almost can't hear the drums during the first like fast part. And it's just like, what is going on? Like It's like... Uh, it's like the musical equivalent of like on on like peanuts, like when they're tumbling around, you know, like when the animals are fighting and shit. It's just crazy. But then there are like these well thought out tent pole songs, like booking his cover, iconic baseline start, yeah, and then like lyrically, I mean, like I'm I'm writing a retaliate record right now, and and uh, I talk I talk in one of our songs, it's like even like talking. Spoiler alert, I wrote a fucking other Oxnard song, right? And it's like... What? Yeah, why? And uh, it's like, living our lives by words... Like, living our lives by words from a book and a cover. You know, and it's like... Because the fucking lyrics, they really are... Like, it's so positive and like... Like, we're just dudes, but because we're like into punk and crazy music, you think we're we're shitty. And they're like, we're just dudes, man. Dude, just this like vocal delivery was just like... People say we're not living yeah. like the life that, that we, we should. should. I right. never listen to them. I only Just done the best, best I could. Because the way I am is a way I like. I won't change for anyone. My morals are good. My, My values, values are, are right. right. Doesn't, Doesn't mean, mean I'm all like, bad because I have fun. <laughs> the way I look, you know, it don't, don't mean shit. It's, it's what's, what's inside, inside that counts. counts. I try to be nice. I'm always polite, but still, you go and have, have your, your doubts. doubts. <laughs> Fucking brilliant, dude. And yo, if I had to make like <laughs> what happens next, just I mean, <laughs> the <laughs> repute just sued 185 miles south for the entire use of that. <laughs> hey, if I had to like make a like a whatever like, well, you don't say mixtape anymore. You say playlist now. But like, yeah. if I had to make like a playlist for like a younger kid, it'd be like, oh, hey, I want to like listen to like hardcore punk or whatever. Like, book by cover would totally be in there because that is yeah. such like like you said with the bass line and just like if what he just says in the opening lines like doesn't hit you and like yeah. meet it, like then you're not going to be part of you're not going to be part of the culture and right? that's like it's it's like unity yeah it's like a it's a full unity song without like calling for unity right it's like this is just this is who we are Try to be a good person. Yeah, the way I am like, don't mean shit. It's yeah. worse inside that counts. Yes, the, so sick. My introduction to Ill Repute was Big Rusty Balls. Well, you know John has lived uh, a clean life, I think, his whole life. Like, I don't... He's Stolly 13 claims straight edge, even though Brandon Cruz says they were doing acid the whole time. But... Uh, In moderation. Uh, mod- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shout but, out uh, to Spray. <laughs> well, Frosty only drinks when he's thirsty. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, so they have like kind of some of the songs. So Fill It Up is a great anti-drinking song, you know, about anti-drinking or driving. Anyway, 
This record is fucking great. Of course, the album covers great. Cherokee Nation too. Cherokee Nation. Grand. Yeah, it's super super jam. Again, it's like one of those ones like I've I've heard forever and ever, and and I don't get excited about it. Like I don't get excited about um, it's the institutionalized like of, of the record. Yeah, I, I got you. You know, but but yeah, I mean, great. Let's talk artwork. Perfect. That artwork is out of this world. Totally. Same same dude from the Stalag, um, Jaime Hernandez. I wish. I wish he would have done. Uh, I mean, why did that guy not work for Marvel? <laughs> you know, well, like, he, because he's he does Love and Rockets. He's very yeah, famous yeah. for his own stuff. Um, I'm just saying, why is he not like regarded? Why, as... Why did he not draw another year cover? <laughs> like I wanted him to. Man, <laughs> did, did he refuse? Yeah, I uh, yeah. Mandel gave us a budget. He refused, but I'm, I'm gonna still work on him. Retaliate. No, I got a one eighty five miles south. I got Walsby doing when, uh, retaliate right now. Who, when, who drew the narco cover? When I when I see did did the reunion and mm. when Ill Repute played, like that's that's like one of the coolest pits I've I've been in my life because it was just like it was so sick because it was like such a good like slam pit, yeah. But it wasn't done in this like like. Warp tour slash fairgrounds kind of way like it was just like straight up like everybody knows knows the fucking game and the deal and it was just like such some of the most style and circle pits I've ever been involved with for sure. Yeah, that night had I love the, had that I love the dudes vibe. that point to the stage regardless of the direction they're going into. Yeah, oh, like a gymnast, you don't want to get dizzy, dude. Some of the coolest strutting I've ever ever done and seen. All right. Well, now Daniel is gonna take us out with the greatest album yeah. from the eighties. Oh, it's not. It's not a case of that. I'm saying it's a good transition point to go into the nineties. No, you, oh. you can rewind this, and you just said that this was like the greatest thing. Of the 80s. No, 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 no. Pretty no, no. sure. Maybe the perfect transition. This we'll is, take okay. that because it's strange. It shouldn't really. It's debatable whether it's allowed, but embrace. Ah, dude, I knew, I knew. Hey, I listened. I knew some of this fucking shit was not shit. Great record, but it's just like not. not, not, Who is? What did you say earlier? Like, I love Daniel being flabbergasted at choices is my favorite part. Well, you just did an extra flabbergast there. Flabbergasted Daniel is my favorite character on the show. But but dude, we said hardcore because fine. Then I choose Bad Religion Suffer. You well, know, like well, there's a lot of albums I like. Don asked, you know, I was speaking with Don coming onto this about what the list would be, and yeah. he, a bad religion suffers on his his five of the eighties. Yeah, well, I would. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do what I consider like that kind of punk. Well, like if if we're talking about punk. if we're talking about like that style, uh, and I don't know if we can we can haul. It's not, hardcore. Hall, it's not hardcore. It's not hardcore. So, so you might as well just. Let's, well, I said possibly I, the beginning I'm of post hardcore. I'm going with I'm going with Master of Puppets. Well, fine. well no, I. It, <laughs> wow. I, I, I How like, come every time the number five on my list just gets shit yeah, on? I mean, every, not, not a hardcore every, record. Well, yo, because we're not a hardcore record. I'm trying to open up the conversation a little bit. Weren't they just? Wasn't he just like that? Was like just the whole like oh hardcore is dumb now kind of thing, right? I would arguably say. Evolution, not revolution. 
Fuck it, I'm going Master of Puppets. Yeah, I, I back that. If we're no, if we're choosing non-hardcore records, the only kind of if, <laughs> also if Tom Waits, Rain Dogs. You're not gonna go with the Smiths album. <laughs> Yo, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna listen to like if I'm gonna listen to anything I, in, can, the, can, in the ballpark of that, it would be it would be Can I Say from Dag Nasty. Well, I would. I, I, think, that, that would I, think, I think that. I think that, that would counts. count. I would Hall of Fame so that this, fucker because I think that's a perfect. Record. I'm just. I think you could have argued for Hall of Fame. Insert Cameron, you mad meme <laughs> across the boards right now. Cameron is pointing at both of you. Um, I I think. That, now I'm just with Zach. I like. We as like I got hardcore. into hardcore, this was an essential like given to me at the time. I I regarded this as a hardcore record. As I got into hardcore, and you were wrong. Well, I feel like that makes sense for like Sandy. It was it's, it's San Diego at the time, right? Very much, so it's yeah. like, of course, they're fucking with. I know, this but facts are facts, and this is not a hardcore record. There has to be okay. There has to be some like okay. Then Rocks the Light is my fifth. If I'm being shamed into another choice, but you know, maybe SST, um, or also Faith Void Split did Ooh. not get. Mentioned Ooh, either. That's but these are all my honorable yeah. mentions because Embrace is in there at number five, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, dude, no more pain. People, I just just that song people, in general. People, people. I, no I just, more I knew alcohol. That, I knew you were gonna go there, it's and like I was so hoping. I was hoping this this pod would rise above. <laughs> and when we say hardcore, we're talking. There's about no hardcore. black flag on your list, <laughs> so how dare you tell? Me? Well. This this my favorite stuff is the seventies. What what years Jealous again? Is that nineteen eighty? No, that's I think that's it's still seventy nine. It's gotta be seventy nine. It, well, well, anyway, well damage I, came out eighty one. We're 80. talking about embrace here, guys. Right. Damage came out in eighty one. And I'm not choosing so, it. Because yeah. it's like it's it's re recordings with my least favorite singer. So <laughs> It's no, still je- better than no, the Embrace record, no, though. No, je- Jealous Again is oh, probably... God. I don't think it's going to get any better than that one. Look, I like the Embrace record. I just don't think it's a hardcore record. And that's why I didn't choose Bad Religion Suffer, and that's why I didn't choose Raining Blood. I Raining, think, Raining Blood. Don't you, get at hey, me. You know what? You know what? I, <laughs> at I, I, I at avoided, him. ASAP. Okay. I avoided a lot of... Of that Revolution Summer stuff and a lot of that later Discord stuff. Because when I was younger and I was like, I want hardcore. And I'm like reading, reading like interviews and all this shit. And they're just this like, they're just like, oh, ill, you know, like ill to everything. And like, I, but I get there's context. Look, I know there's context, but like when you're like a fucking teenager, you're just like, man, fuck these dudes. Yeah. And like I, I, I completely get like why, why they were like fed up with shit and why this is like, oh, like people are just coming out. They don't give a shit. They just want to like hurt someone or just be ridiculous. And like, we, we want to like evolve. You know, but I for some reason I always attach this like pretentiousness to it where it's just like, oh, okay, I'm not even allowed to like have fun. And, you know, I don't know. It's just like ill repute and stalag shit's going to speak to me more than any of this stuff. And apparently you could have gone with infectious grooves. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, I will gladly listen to infectious grooves over 
Okay, well, I'm I'm doing my own podcast soon out of Oakland called 400 Miles North. You guys should tune in. It's going to be fucking sick. It's going to be Embrace and Rise of Spring yeah. on loop. Yep. On yeah, loop. And all this macho dickhead bullshit yeah. that they were talking against. Yeah, so any, be wiped any, out. anyone that just doesn't like hardcore, tune in to uh, 200 or 400 Miles North. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Uh, Don't ever well. stage dive ever again. <laughs> Do you like stage diving? Then here's a show not for you. <laughs> yeah. It's 400 miles north. Stage dive into this barrel of acid, you meathead. <laughs> <laughs> so, we actually ran out of time. So we're just doing Hall of Fame in the 80s. And uh, we'll do the 90s and the aughts. The noughties. The noughties? Where does that come from? You say zero in England as naught. Mm-hmm. So that decade in England is called the noughties. Oh. Like the 90s to the noughties. Yeah. Then how would you say naughty? Same. Oh, but, really? but it has different connotation. Uh, so, there's, there's like not an extra little thing. But it's also, I think it's also. Well, we're, rap- we're rapping. Let's, let's keep it cool. Okay. Yeah. What's up, planes? You, you can hear the planes. Um. I hope you guys both enjoy your Nardcore records, courtesy of Fred Hammer and It's Alive fanzine. Respect to Fred Hammer. Shout out oh, yeah. to Fred. Yeah, Fred is killing... Well, Eternal respect to Fred Hammer. He will have already been on by the time this airs. That's been my thing. How was he not a f- first five episode person? I don't know. <laughs> Disrespect to Fred. No, I can't, you, no I'm joking. <laughs> don't get the Not fanzine. everything is a ranking. <laughs> no, I do it's not a ranking. Um, it's I don't an know. ease of doing it. Obviously. You, you were you were number six, and if I was going favorites, you know, you would have been number one, bud. That's right. So. <laughs> um, anything else we want to drop on the eighties? I'm really glad some of that stuff got in there. I'm so glad that you got suicidal in there. I'm so glad you got seven seconds in there. Um, I think that that was a good list. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm glad we let it be known. That this was a hardcore of the eighties. Well, here's an interesting <laughs> thing because I was just talking to Lewis outside, who's you know younger. He's younger generation, and I. I he's he, uh, people will know him from last week's episode. Exactly. There you go. So episode twenty six. This will be twenty seven. So he asked me what my picks are, and you know I was like, oh yeah, well I threw the first suicidal record on there, and he's just like, well that's a punk record. And it's a hardcore beat. Well, here's so it's here, faster than punk. And here's what's interesting about it because I feel like so many of these records, like, like okay, so the term hardcore. We should it, close. Maybe we gotta close the window. Then we do a thirty second rap. <laughs> I know what you're about to say, Greg. I think you're gonna say that something was hardcore has now transitioned into punk because punk kids like it more, or or it just became like. Well, we do have Discharge on here, which yeah. is like the ultimate well, poker guy. But I, because politically. I, I yeah. told him, I was like, oh, yeah, and I put, you know, Discharge here, nothing. He's like, well, that's a punk record. I was like, no, it's a fuck. It's like a hardcore record. And it, it's just still that when you say hardcore and how it's just such a fucking spectrum, right? Where it's like. Like Embrace is hardcore. Well, wait till you guys see my yeah, fucking no. two, <laughs> my, my 2000s. You guys are going to be. So I I think it's just still funny that you can still bring up like something like the first suicidal record and someone's gonna be like that's a fucking punk record or you know and I'd be like no I would consider it 
Well, it's hardcore punk, obviously. Because I think you mentioned it too, how, you know, on the last podcast, how as soon as like the 80s die, like the 80s like goes away, like hardcore, like. Like pre 84, you just like include everything, all the punk and all the hardcore. Well, hardcore was called hardcore because it was the fastest, the hardest, the meanest. That's yeah, why you have to include the suicidal. Yeah. So that's why. That's that bad why religion. All, yeah. I mean, it's almost like you have to call it. I know, it's weird. That's weird. Because, like, I wouldn't include the Bad Religion. So that's 88. I guess you could include the yeah. first Bad Religion, but even that is weird. Just How could hell is definitely but it's hardcore. Singing. It's L.A. hardcore, though. Yeah, <clears> and <throat> it's funny, too, because I feel like there's this... Generatorism. Yeah, I feel like there's this time yeah, period sure. where... And you, you touched on it on the last podcast, where at the end of the 80s, like, like hardcore takes, like, a huge decline. And then... You know, every also too, right in the mid eighties you get like that huge fucking crossover boom, right? So everyone's throwing solos, everyone's doing like the like the more chunky mosh riffs and like you know, that kind of style. And it almost looks like you just have like pockets of scenes like New York, it's like, no, we're hardcore, like you have the youth crew shit. There's like certain bands that are like like defining themselves as like hardcore and then you say it's like right when the nineties picks up, you have like that punk revival explosion, right? Where all the like warp tour kicks off and you have like rancids coming out, like like all like Green Day breaks. Well you have like, people you have- that are like including Nirvana in punk as well. Yeah, so it's so, like Nirvana breaks and they're like, yeah. Oh, that's punk breaking and then Green Day breaks two years later. Yeah. So you have you know, this so like the ninety two and the ninety four. So you have this like, alternative explosion. And then, like, you have, like, that whole warp Tour scene, and then it's, like, that is now labeled, like... Jesus. This is unprofessional. It's, like, that stuff is now labeled... Uh, Riverside. It's, like, that's being considered... It's being called punk now, and now what's being called hardcore is, like, smaller stuff that is now happening in the 90s. So I think that's, like, an interesting thing to talk about, too. Well, so yeah, like, just, like, the the titles of things changing... Right, like exactly. Well, as we discussed on the last pod, like you can find your own little enclave and and dig into the deepest vein of what you're interested in in hardcore, and it's still a part of the hardcore scene, but it might have nothing to do with New York hardcore. Do you know what I mean? Like still life or things like that that were arguably, you know, well, there was a lot of hardcore. There was a lot of of weird genre stuff going around up by us because of the heart attack and mm-hmm. evolution yeah, exactly. and all that and the pickle patch. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, dude. Did, you, so um, before we wrap on 80s, did anybody want to discuss an honorable mentions list of things that didn't quite get there? I think you guys covered like... Tied Down. The only reason Tied oh, Down yeah. is not there is because the 7-inch... Is the with you seven the inches better? And yeah. the pr- production on tied down is just a little little thin, kind of, kind of a little thin sounding, a little thin, but like good songwriting. Tied down, oh, on fucking leash, perennial uh, redemption seven song. Well, we also touched on it very, very briefly while I was being yelled at and things were thrown across the table at me for the embrace choice. But the faith void split. Yeah, that's a that's a weird one to not. I mean, that's almost Hall of Fame too. The eighties is is iconic, right? You have is hardcore breaking wide open. Mm-hmm. So 
The Faith Void split, where do you guys side? I bet you're both Void side. Yep. Yeah. I'm Faith side, personally. I know like, that's, that's my, you know. I, I listened to the last podcast. <laughs> well. I know. True. Um, rock for life. It doesn't mean that Obviously, I don't like Faith. I love the Faith side as well. And Misfits. Walk Among Us and Earth AD. Like, so see, that would be the question for Lewis. He'd get you on saying that's punk for sure, but because I, I, I never. But they they were regarded a hardcore band. Well, I would have never thought yeah, about. But I would have never thought about using those. Dude, those I, are different. No, because I think like right from the jump, they're just their own fucking thing. Yeah, like right right from the jump, they're they're their own thing for sure. Are the Misfits a hardcore band? Randy, what? are the Misfits a hardcore band? Yeah. So. Definitive. Well, if right they're now. on, if if they're include, <laughs> if they get to be included, then my list might look different. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's, I mean, they're peers to negative approach. They're Necros. Peers to so, yeah, they're all pl- they're, they're peers all to playing, minus right. They're all playing amongst each other, but like from the jump, they are like otherworldly. This other. Yeah. Well, they thing. got. They're like the band that went the opposite way, right? Like they actually got more hardcore. Their last yeah, record is the fastest is, one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only other band that I can think of, like, that got more straightforward would be, like, Dead Kennedys. You know, like, their later stuff is actually oh, the more shit. straightforward well, stuff. Well, talk about another goddamn Miss. honorable mention. Yeah. I don't know. You're going to put that. I, I just don't know. Like, know. they might be the one that, another one that, like, I consider just outside of hardcore. Like, it's it's just, that's perennial no, punk I, rock. I, I got to call them. That's hardcore. I got to call them hardcore. They were. Sure. I don't know. Germs and Dead Kennedys are the West Coast representation, early West Coast would, representation okay, of I'll, hardcore. I'll, I'll call I'm just germs saying the beat. Punk. I'm saying the beat. The, beats, the beat yeah. faster than like the mid-table punk beat. No, but, I, but, but DK had like fast beats for sure. Yeah, I know. You know? But, yeah, I don't and know. I'm going to say like, because Germs is punk, like for sure. Like that's just like the last. like it's LA hardcore yeah. though. Do you know what I mean? Like it. It's tough because it's hard to say. But it's, they were harder than but the punk of their but time, but so it's, it's still, hardcore. Yeah, they're harder than the super, bags. It's still super snotty sounding, though. You know what I'm saying? So True, it's but that, it's that like, transition snarl. right out yeah. of of you know the no, same it, way it's, that it's, fear. It's is, the missing. Oh you know. fuck! And then how can I not include? Yeah, another honorable mention. <laughs> uh, especially, fear the record, especially more beer too, for sure. And uh, yeah, underrated sophomore effort. No, but. Uh, but really, SSD? like, oh, and that was another hard Jesus. one because, yo, because remember <laughs> See, how people are listening to this and flipping out that these things are not a either they're flipping hall of out fame. that you chose embrace over all these, okay? But, but, uh, but pers- I mean, they're also okay, flipping okay, out that both I, you know, Oxnard records look, have SSD chosen over these two, SSD control, and I fucking these records are rippers, kids will not saying that, like, I. Listen to that like so many goddamn times, right? And it's just how it's like with like the don't forget the struggle shit, where it's like, it's like you you play these and they just become a part of you so much that it's almost like you don't ever have to listen to it again. So it's like that was kind of when I assembled my list. It's like the ones that I'll be like, no, I'm still gonna put this on and I'm gonna spin it. Where it's like, so Circle you, One you, is better than SSD. No, because like the SSD shit is like a part of me. Like I, I can know. play the fucking record in my in my brain. Rhetorical. It, 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 it was. It's more <laughs> just the fact that 
there are obviously Mount Rushmore records or yeah, that's kind of like fame there's so much that, Hall yeah, of Fame shit, all trial. you know here. Um, but another honorable mention, and I still think it is the the fucking best like melodic hardcore record ever is Dag Nasty's Can I Say? And did you get into that through Travis Barker's tattoo? Megatron, bro. <laughs> No, um, that see that's, that's a record. I that, I've listened to that record so many times. JK. I I may never want to listen to that record again. Really? No. Well, I, Dave Smalley is just such a tool. <laughs> I don't know. Dude. You didn't those, like those, Down by Law, dude? Those, those comeback, those those comeback songs were fucking sick. Hey, can I can I come back to Dys? Can, can I can I please tell a Dys reunion story, please? Please, is it including like, John and Astros and his rap. fedora and, uh, okay, and his wife Peter? I'll I'll wrap this one up. This is funny. So it's like. Uh, Tay is doing a tour with uh, Terror in Europe, right? So we meet up in like somewhere in East Germany, I think Leipzig or something. <laughs> and DYS is also out there. So DYS gets added. Oh, and Death Before Dishonor is on the tour too, right? So they just did that, you know, cringy ass, you know, Boston, Martin, Julian, B O S T O N. Like a Boston Terrier. Yeah. We were built to fight. So. so <laughs> Yeah, and it sucks because it's like, yo, can you please, please like put on? You never what saw a, this song. No, what a Clayton dog. To close this podcast out, like, just please put on like Wolfpack, like from from DYS, please. But, it is like, sick. Okay, but anyways, yeah. so chorus used to do it. Yeah, so really good. Yeah. So we get to the show and it's like everyone puts their back line up or whatever, and everyone. You know, the tour manager tells DYS, like, oh, hey, like, you know, you guys don't have to bring your shit in. Like, we got a whole back line. Just, you know, bring your heads or whatever. But they're like, no, like, we have to bring, like, all our own gear in and, like, put it in front and, like, sound check. And, like, they're super professional. And I think they had, like, a dude that played in the Foo Fighters or whatever. Or, like, was, like third guitar guy in the Foo Fighter tour or something, and then he was in the band. So they have this, like, really, like, professional, like, we're here, like, we got a line check, like, we got we do all this shit, and, which is already kind of, like, funky. And then, anyways, the show goes on, all right, and, like, not, they're not really mingling with any of us, and, but, like, Dave Smalley's, like, in, like, the backstage room, and, like, in like, a trucker hat. Yeah, and like Vogel comes in and he he's just like, Hey, I really like can I say a lot like just starts talking to like about can I say can I yeah. say and he's just like, Oh thanks, thanks, thank you, thank you. Just like really like reserved, like quiet, just like yeah. really fucking awkward, right? And so the show goes on, so we play, and then like Death Before Dishonor plays, and then DYS goes on, right? So I have never fucking seen a band bomb. Like so fucking hard. Do they play the song? The B O S T O N jam? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like they're playing like all this like new shit. And then like they're playing their like older songs too, but they're like they're like extending parts and like making it really like like they're doing it like Floyd man. Yeah, like jamming it, like keeping it going. <laughs> and then anyways, like the bass goes out, right? John Anastas? Yes. So the bass cuts out and like, oh, they all had like, each dude has like three guitar, like three backup guitars, like backup basses. Are they in a bus? 
No, they're all in a fucking like van. Oh, and it's wow. just like, dude, like your DYS, like you put out like the Brotherhood record, which is good, but it's not that good, you know? Pretty fucking good. It's good, but but kids will ever say smokes it for sure. Of course. Okay. But just to be like going over there and like, we're like, hey, we're bringing like, I gotta have like three backup Les Pauls. Like, it's just fucking absurd. Like, even like bigger bands don't even really do that shit, right? So. They sh- so the bass cuts out and it's just like huge it's just like I don't know like probably 2,000 like German people over there and there's like kind of a language barrier so it's just like dead silence and like uh, the bass player is like I think he's Jamie I fucking forget his last name but he's like freaking out and so like small- the bass player is John Anastas oh okay yeah, yeah. so so small <laughs> cause he does uh- he play bass for DY <laughs> so Smalley's like Smalley's just like on the stage, he's like, oh, okay, hello, everybody. It's just like <laughs> crickets, right? <laughs> and then he's just like, so while on the road, um, <laughs> as musicians, we like to play, uh, we like to tell musician jokes to one another. Like, like this is how he was like delivering this. Joke, I love right? the impression. So it's just fucking <laughs> crickets, right? And then he goes like, so here's here's the joke. Like he's telling this to like of like two thousand like German people yeah. that it's like total ESL. So like they speak English better than him. They, they do, the but Germans. like it's not like they're gonna. <laughs> so he's just like, um, how many guitar players does it take <laughs> to change a light bulb? He's like a uh, hundred, <laughs> one to do it, and ninety nine to say, oh, I could have done that better. And it's just like <laughs> fucking just crickets. And I, I turned around and like I looked at like their merch kid who's just like this like young, like total Euro, like straight edge kid, right? Who's like uh. driving them. And like before the show, like I could tell like he was so stoked because he's just like probably like, yes, get to get to drive like legendary DYS, like straight edge man, <laughs> Boston, like very cool, you know, very, very cool. Dave Smalley. Dave Smalley is very cool. Wolf Pack. Yeah. yeah listen to wolf pack like that and like i just like turn around and look at him and he's just like he's just got his like he- like head like buried into his he's like my life like, like he's just like what did i fuck like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna have like a rough like two two and a half weeks of these dudes so that was like yeah, he's also probably just cringing about the amount of equipment he has to carry back out of the venue and like never have i just been like like you like just love like loved that record in high school and just like played it and like they weren't doing the reunion thing and you're just like just to see this and just to see what it's like turned into and what it is just being let down like so yeah that was hard. a weird reunion it's like it's a weird out one. of like, all why of do them, that one? like they they jump <clears throat> they jumped the shark so hard and I think they thought that they were gonna be like. Hey, we can like fucking become like a dropkick Murphys type. Yeah, type that's why band. they wrote that Boston song. And it was for sure. just like people were. Just but did you did so you not sad. see them at that Sound and Fury? No, I was there, and it was it was fucking whack too. Because it was he they, threw it. He tried to like smash his bass on stage. He like threw it threw it in the I air. I didn't see this. What what year was that? It? it was the year that we played. Um, Twenty twelve. Yo, maybe? you had you was had, that in Santa Barbara? You had the biggest circle pit 
that entire fest. Was it that was Santa insane. Barbara? Yeah, it was yeah that's at the Earl Warren Showgrounds. But the um, <laughs> DYS, there were some older, and even Tim came up for it. He's like, fucking DYS. I was playing, up front you know? with Tim. And I think all those old Chula dudes came by the merch booth. I was just like, how can you be excited for this? Look at them. I don't think they, they, this they is the knew. ultimate cash grab. Like yeah, I don't think they knew it was going to be that bad. Yeah, I think they expected it to have like some. But they, they came back after that was sick. I'm like, are you on crack? It was it was cringeworthy from the merch. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> fucking John Anastas was in a. Uh, <laughs> what's the what's the clothing brand that M- f- did all the MMA? Fleur de Lis shit, everything. Tap out? And no. Hardy? Uh, kind of similar. Something like that. What's. What, it started by Pat Dubar's brother. Mm. Um, I, anyway. Jesus didn't tap? He was in a wife beater of that and a fedora. Yeah, oh yeah, he had the fedora <laughs> in Europe too. And it, it, the fedora was like classic, oh my god, I've gone bald and I can't deal with it. Um, but either way, it was just shocking, like how bad they were, and you know, I'm I'm glad that they flubbed even with euros. Who, a, no offense to some people in they're Europe, they're way more forgiving. Will, they, way more forgiving. They will be like, no problem, come Fun, back. Funny we, thing about that is uh, the Jamie dude, like when his when his bass was like fucking up, and when he, he was like having a meltdown on stage, like trying to get thin, and like. He went to one of like the Death Before Dishonored dudes because of that Boston connection. I think he like was kind of like, "Yo, give me another bass," or like says it. And <laughs> let's just say like he was like reminded and kind of like checked very quickly of like, "Yo, you don't you don't talk to me that way." <laughs> so it was uh, it was sad. Know your place, legend. Know, know your fucking place. <laughs> what do you call a uh, hitchhiking crusty punk? Stranded. 